0: This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video or podcast on your favorite platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the videos or MP3 files, which you can download and enjoy without commercial interruptions. If you're into classic horror, ghost, and adventure stories, I narrate Nightshade Diary, and you can find links at nightshadediary.com. If scary stories are your bag, and listening to encounters with cryptids, ghost, dogman, and other weird creatures sends a shiver up your spine, then go to supernaturalstorytime.com for links to our weekly podcasts. Noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird can be found at news, or visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at com. Please subscribe to my newsletter on Substack. Just go to mppelliser.com for a link. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I know the show's going to be a little bit staggered, but see, I already have my Halloween t-shirt on right now. We're like what? Today's the 27th. We're four days out from Halloween, and even though I know you guys might hear this after the fact, remember that you know um, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to do a, a Halloween live stream this year, okay? Like I did last year, and uh, you know everybody had been asking me what are you going to do because um, and I and I did the one for Mardi Gras, and everybody wanted that that uh, that true crime angle that I did with Mardi Gras, and I said, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go 70s, 80s nostalgia, you know, when Halloween was like really Halloween. But I'm going to do I'm gonna throw the uh, the true crime angle into it, which back then a lot of the stuff was what they call the satanic panic. And we'll find out if really it was panic after all, because I've been looking at some of these stories, which of course we're talking what 40, 50 years old almost, depending on you know we're looking at the 70s or 80s, and um you could tell by the way they were written back then, they they were branding them, you know, with in other words, when they were writing these stories as they were, you know, from the moment victims are being found and then we fast forward into the story and how they find who was responsible or the trial. You know what? They didn't put the Satan or Satanic thing in there uh, just arbitrarily like, oh, we're going to make it. No, you could tell that the writers of the piece, the, the journalists back then, Basically, we're attaching it based on what they had found, you know, when the crime was committed. This wasn't like oh, they put the satanic panic. No, there was one uh, one that I'm going to talk about, which is they they found a the guy uh, an altar, you know, with all these satanic symbols. So it's like you know, there was no panic here. Whether these people, you know. Uh, there was reason why to call them satanic or satanic cult murderers or things like that, but okay, we'll get into that one. You're going to have to watch me live on Halloween. And again, even though I'm broadcasting that as a live stream, it's I'm going to upload it though as, uh, as a recorded show later on, you know, on all the uh, video platforms and of course a podcast version of it. Again, reminder: don't forget sign up for my articles and my newsletter on Substack. Again, on there I put everything from new projects, new books, giveaways. Like I did with the last book I released, which was *Phantoms of the Follies*. That was released October 4th, and as a matter of fact, I gave five five days worth of free Kindle books on that title just to celebrate the release. And I usually will mention it here, but really, if you want up to date when I do the giveaways, the um, you know, the newsletter is how I usually announce that. That's the the best bet. All right. And like I said, I usually have podcasts. I have older podcasts and I just put all funky, weird articles, things like that. Uh, you know, whatever, maybe two, three times a week, the most sometimes. And of course, you know, don't forget to visit me at news. And there I also have articles. And I do, even though I've been a little bit because I've been so busy with this Halloween thing, you know, I'll usually do a podcast as far as all the interesting news of the paranormal or anything weird, just unusual. It doesn't really have to be paranormal, could be ancient archaeology, just weird stuff. Believe me. And this is the thing, sometimes we get caught up in modern um what can I say? News and stuff like that—that yeah, that can be disturbing in and of itself. But there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world that falls into the into the unusual realm, and that's what I talk about on eerie news. But anyway, guys, let's get on to the good part. The good part is who the guest is tonight. This gentleman. This is the first time here on stories of the supernatural, and his name is Christopher Balzano. He is a writer, researcher, folklorist. And current host of the podcast, Tripping on Legends, he's been documenting The Unexplained since 1994, and he's been a figure in the paranormal world through his books, articles, and his work as a director of Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads and now Tripping on Legends. Uh, He is the author of several books about regional hauntings, dark woods, cult crimes, and the paranormal in the Freetown State Forest and Ghosts of the Bridgewater Triangle, which we're going to be talking about, as well as a collection of true ghost stories, ghostly adventures, and the How to Paranormal book, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting, and Picture Yourself Capturing Ghosts on Film. His most recent book, Haunted Objects, Stories of Ghosts on Your Shelf, captures the stories of everyday people who have accidentally allowed spirits into their house, even though I think... I don't know. We'll ask him about this. He just brought out recently a haunted house. I mean, a haunted um, ghost stories about the Ocala National Forest, which is very close to where I'm at. Anyway, he's been a contributor to Jeff Belanger's Encyclopedia of Haunted Places and Weird Massachusetts and was one of the writers behind Weird Hauntings. He's appeared in more than a dozen other books, often called in to offer insight into the paranormal and uh, gain perspective on a certain case. He's appeared on radio stations across the country and throughout the internet, as well as being called upon by television shows to comment on ghosts and urban legends, including the British television series Conversations with a Serial Killer. He's been a guest on Coast to Coast AM and has been asked as a consultant on television shows like Paranormal State and Ghost Adventures. He formerly ran the Paranormal News. Uh, Ghost Village for Kids from Ghost Village, one of the oldest and largest websites dedicated to the paranormal, and is the content director of the popular paranormal radio show Spooky South Coast. Help me welcome him today. How are you doing, Chris?
1: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, you've got a, you've got a, your bio is a little bit uh, a little bit old school.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The, uh, <laughs> I tell everybody, I, and I know my, I'm supposed to be like, okay, Marlene, we get it. We get it. Tom, I was doing investigations when you had to pay to develop film, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You use as reference because people, you know, don't ever think you mean you had to actually pay. Yeah. yeah once upon a time, you actually paid sometimes for a big blob of nothing.
2: Right, exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, but uh what I was referring to though is that yeah, like the that that bio of mine's probably at least eight years old that you've got. Real, I, you know what? I, I oh, noticed it's, that... it's okay. it was like walking back map through memory lane. I'm like, wow, remember when Haunted Objects was a book that people wanted to buy? And it's been well really you funny know funny what?
2: for a few years. So
1: there's Two always years. audiences that all of a sudden, you
0: know, their their interest in the paranormal surges. And it's like a brand new to them.
1: It's brand new to them. It's brand new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, I, I do have two uh, more recent books. Uh, the first one, because these are, I'm now a Florida uh, person, and right. so I have two books in the Haunted America series. One would be Haunted Florida Love Stories, and the okay. other is the Haunted Nas- uh, Ocala National Forest. So, yes. there are definitely two other titles to me that are kind of relevant to what we're talking about. Seeing right. that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that because.
0: I live very, very close to Ocala National Forest, which is a really large park. Let me ask you, but I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests. How did you get interested into the paranormal?
1: Okay, so you know that – you know your intro where Uh you're showing the movie with the girl's face melting?
2: Yes. That
1: movie was crucial in my development (laughs) (laughs) in this. And I'm not even joking. I'm watching it, and I'm having flashbacks to my childhood – Cause that's what Saturdays were, you know what I'm saying? So yes. for me, Saturdays were creature double feature on Channel 56 mm-hmm. out of Boston, Massachusetts, and yes. that movie seemed to show like every other day, every other week. It was a, it was this obsession I had with horror movies and things like that, and and I was a, I was a latchkey kid. Okay, um, but my but my latch was the public library. So my mom would force me to walk to the library after school, and then she would pick me up hours later.
2: And uh-huh. so I just
1: consumed everything, and I drifted towards uh, those old and their their kid versions originally of ghost stories and haunted folklore and things like that. Right, yeah. And the librarian, who I think was basically sick of me, said, <laughs> "At like ten years old, you can go upstairs and read the adult stuff now." So, well, you know what?
0: People don't realize that a lot of libraries back then in the kids section they would put a lot of the ghost stuff in there. Because yeah, yeah. it was considered and, and, like those uh, children's uh, material.
1: Yeah, and it was it was pretty tame. Yeah, um, but it, it was the gateway, right? So it was the mm-hmm. gateway drug for me to go upstairs. By that time, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a '70s, early '80s kid. By that time, Stephen King wa- was was in the movies, and right. so I started reading all the Stephen King books. But then things like the Time Life series came out, and I was just obsessed, but also because the way my brain works, even today, I just kept all that information in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started at my college, uh, my college dorm at uh, in Boston, Emerson College was haunted.
2: Really? And so
1: people would tell me stories all the time about things that they had had happened. And then I would ask them the backstory. And they'd say, you know, something like, oh, well, what happened was, is that one student killed another <laughs> student, and then Uh, they put them in the closet and then she transferred schools and they didn't find the body till three weeks. I'm like, wait a minute. I've heard that exact same story, like in five different towns. And so I became obsessed with this idea of the crossroads, which is, you know, not only the real haunting or what might be something unusual, paranormal, supernatural going on, but then the stories we make up or the The story legend kind of thing to try to explain it exactly. And, and, and both are, uh, both should be honored, right? Both should be held up. Sure. And so, you know, after years of doing this and, and I was an investigator for years, um, I kind of just got and left all of the, the, the pseudoscience behind of investigating and focus more on uh, the experience over evidence and sure. getting back to what was the heart of the haunting and getting back to these yes. crazy backstories and how they connect and, and, what I just what I started doing was much more of like what we call legend tripping,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is going to the site, experiencing it just the way the people of that town or that area or that community say it happens. And then looking at what is that story and how they tell it, say, about the community as much sure. as it, what does it say about the ghosts?
0: Right, because a lot of these experiences where people had them, there was none of this stuff that I hate to say it. You know, some of these uh, paranormal reality shows, there's just too much. And I know what they're trying to do is capture the evidence or whatever, make it interesting. But after a while, exactly like what you say, it almost kind of loses a little bit of the romanticism of the story, you know.
1: Um, It loses the romanticism of the story. And then it also makes the person who's going and looking at these things. I didn't didn't grow up wanting to listen to EVPs or to get EMF meter reading. I grew up in awe. And I think that legend tripping, as opposed to investigating, brings back the sense of awe in the paranormal. Sure. Because whether some place is haunted or not, I always say people can agree or disagree whether ghosts are real, but a ghost story is always true because people say it and believe it. Of course. And
0: and what every legend tripper hopes for is like, I'm going to have an experience, but just the anticipation even right. if you it's, don't, is worth it because you know you probably you've heard this story, that story, and you're thinking maybe I'll be the one that's gonna hear, see, whatever.
1: Exactly, and when you when you hear a story that has been been told and retold in a community, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even talk to a few people that day in the community who recount their versions of it, and then it's nighttime and you're on that stretch yes. of road. And you're flashing your lights the way you're supposed to, or you're knocking on that mausoleum three times the way you're supposed to, um, for you not to have that sense of, I know exactly what they're talking about, whether you see a ghost or not, or whether something unexplained happens, that's what I'm in it for. And that's why I try to bring my audience now with my podcast and with my books.
0: Right, exactly. And that's, and, and, and you know what? I totally agree with you because um, once upon a time, like, I, I and I understand, but you know, when I did paranormal investigations, which is, you know, I've done it all through the years, but originally there wasn't that much of the um, equipment stuff. Yeah. It was more interviewing participants. What did you see? What did you experience? You know, triggering events. What's the history of you know it or, you know, right. you find out? Uh, it, it wasn't that much into the equipment or the, how can I say, the uh, proof. You know, I got to produce proof kind of right. thing. Um, yeah, and, and that meant.
1: And the, the, proof is, the proof is born out of, uh, out of connection and out of the internet, and, and it makes sense yeah. because um, in one sense, there's a lot of people who, who want to become known because of it, sure. right? And so you put that to the side, there's even just when you've um, experienced something, and I've actually probably had more experience as a legend tripper than I've had as an investor. Sure. Yes. You want someone to feel what you felt in that moment, and it was just you and maybe someone else that you go out with. And you guys can look at each other and you know it, right? Like, you know Oh, you my God, it. yes. And I know exactly no else what you mean. It. And you say it to someone and um, and, and they look at you and was like, yeah, and? And you're like, you're, you're missing the point. There's no way for me to communicate the moment to you. Right. So, But for me, it's life-changing. You know what I'm saying? But there's no oh. way necessarily I can get you to understand what it's like to You, you know, know what it is? This. Like the
0: human body is the best instrument. It
2: is. And it is. I've been
0: in uh, in enough where there's been equipment after a while because, I, you know, I would work with different teams because I was part of a research foundation where I would feel things, you know, after you attenuate your body. Like, you know how when you feel certain things in your body where I would feel something, I'd be like, oh, and then yeah. 10,
2: 15
0: seconds later, you feel an equipment, something goes off. Right. But you felt it in your body. That's what I'm saying. The human body. Now the problem is with that is that I can't reproduce it for you in a lab. You can't measure it. You can't photograph it. So of course, but the human body is one of the best indicators sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, of when you're in the presence of some supernatural agent. Okay. Um yeah.
1: but and, and again, I think, I think the, the the other part of that is, is true as well. Is that in almost all of the legend trips where something has happened, yes. um, you know very clearly when it's over. And sometimes okay. you could have traveled five hours and waited three hours and and it takes five minutes. And And when it starts, you know it starts. And when it ends, you know it ends. And you yes. just look at each other and go... I guess we're going home now. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. Or you know what? The other way around, see.
0: you could spend two or three hours or a couple of hours, and you're like, "Oh boy, this is you know, the, there's nothing happening here." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you go, "Oh wait a minute."
1: <laughs> yeah. W- what? You and know, you feel. It, especially when you're dealing with as an investigator, my investigator days, I always said the most activity happens during the setup and during the the, the shutdown. Oh, you too, huh? Like, Yeah, so if you don't, if you don't, the very first thing you do is when you get to a location. This is the, like I said, the investigator days. When you go to a location, you start a camera running, and you don't finish that camera running until you leave. Yes, Um, and so we do. I've kept that theory along with a lot of these uh, legend trips because you know we are the we are the stand-ins for anybody who can't get out to this uh, place and experience it, and so we're not concerned with catching things on camera. We're concerned with providing you with the with the moment um but it's 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 to me it, it was investigating one-on-one man you start that camera because it always happens there yes. and it always yeah.
0: happens so
2: know, like after like, you you,
0: you, you close there and the truth was that a lot of the groups i worked with they're the ones that were heavy into the equipment once we start doing stuff with equipment so that would be like you know putting stuff away because you know you get to the point when you're ready to leave that everybody's like all right let's put all this stuff away you know quick right. like whatever and I'd be like, and every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, man, all they're waiting for is just for that last lid to be closed on whatever, you know, yeah. or that last camera or that last electrical, whatever, to be put away. And um, I tell everybody, every, normally, you know, because nobody, if it was a residential kind of investigation, it, was a, it would be a bad taste to stand out in front of somebody's house and, you know, kind of do our own like mini mini meeting before everybody went their own way. Yeah, And so we would usually say, hey, you know, there's a gas station down at the corner or Burger King or let's let's pull in there a minute. Let's just talk real quick. And then everybody usually goes up to right. a, a
1: Chinese food restaurant someplace
0: someplace <laughs> where, you know, and we had a ex- couple of experiences, believe it or not, when we would stop at some of these places uh, of fearing things. And and it would be like we don't look at each other. Of course, everything's put away. There's right. no camera. There's no nothing. Every, everybody's just standing there like, hey, how do you feel? Whatever you know, like a debriefing. And then, of course, everybody goes home because by then everybody's toast, you're tired or whatever. And we had a couple of situations, you know, a couple of times where things happened, like as far as, you know, you know how everybody asks you, oh, do do stuff follow you home? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's when I learned one of the first times that uh, I, I started carrying my smudge stick with me. And I'd smudge the everlasting, you know, what, out of my car. And everybody sometimes look at me and go, what are you doing? It's like, man, whatever. Okay.
1: So. That's funny. That's funny. So probably the, the, if, if I'm known for one thing over anything else, um, I'm known as the puck wedgie guy. Um, uh uh-huh. And if we want to get into that, that's, you know, if we want to be here till midnight, we can touch upon <laughs> But I was, um, I was doing a, um. Uh, I was writing one of my books, uh, Picture Yourself um, Ghost Hunting. Horrible title of the book, but there you go. And so there was a DVD attached to it. And so what I did was I hit the road because uh, like you, I'm an independent contractor. Like I never belong right. to a group. I don't, I don't believe in groups actually. Right. And so, um, I, so I brought out a really tech group. And I thought I liked the group because it was really tech. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, had a trans medium. And I'd worked with them before. um, And I know that, you know, she was pretty spectacular. Things would happen real or not real. At least it was visual and it was a visual thing. I was, I was filming, you know, for this DVD. And so I brought them into uh, something I know you want to talk about tonight, the Freetown State Forest. Yes. And we're at the site of this place known as the Asanet Ledge. And we were, you know, it was, we were, they were doing their thing and they were, you know, they were, um, they were one of the first groups that I know of that had, uh, really, really jacked up um, thermal imaging because one of their members was a fireman, so he had that like the industrial fireman okay. thermal imaging, and so they're and yet they're also going with what this trans medium is feeling, right? Okay. And so we uh, we were finished, we were getting ready to leave, um, and at this at this place, the Asonic Ledge, literally packing up, everyone is closed up, and I got that feeling that we were talking about earlier. And I say to the, um, I say to the, to the trans medium. Well, I say just out loud. I'm like, something is different. Something's changed. And then I look at the trans medium. I'm like, you know what I'm talking about? And I don't even get the sentence out. And her eyes roll in the back of her head. There you and go. And Now I, it's just me and her looking like something from The Exorcist. <laughs> and I gotta run. Get back with the camera.
2: Get back with. The camera. And,
1: uh, it's probably, it's probably the most popular, famous footage that I've ever shot. Okay. Um, a YouTube video called when puck wedgies attack. Okay. Um, I wish all of my stuff got as much traction as this one video. Um, okay. and, uh, it basically shows her being taken over by something and then us trying to take her out. <laughs> like in like, what, what, what was she, it? Who's to say? Oh Uh, no! So you never really... Oh no, no, no! Like the video is called "When Puck Wedgies Attack." Okay, um, because we were Puck hunting at the time. Um, Okay, and it's an area that is known for uh, for these little troll monster type creatures. Like they're spotted there, but there's also UFOs that are spotted at that same location. There's also um, a ton of ghost lights that are seen there, which could be UFOs or, or, or or spirits. So we never really knew, and of course. When you watch it, it's so dramatic that it looks fake. So what did it she? Think her, it was. It or what, her what's her, her feedback when she came? When she she said a puckwudgie. She said a puckwudgie. So had, it was
0: non-human. So basically, she's saying it was a non-human entity. Yeah. Ed-
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, and and in that vein, um, the puckwudgies are known to control the spirits of the Wampanoag, the Native American tribe in that area who uh, they've taken the life of, right? So these wa- these Pukwudgies were kind of trickster, like trolls and fairies of the forest, or however, you know, they're really hard to classify. Okay. But they, um, they would they got to a point where they became very malicious, and okay. they would attack people, and they would burn villages and kidnap babies and kill people. And so they, if they killed a, a Wampanoag or, or anybody, they would get... Almost like possession of their soul, and these souls manifest themselves in what they call Taipaiwankas. What Wampanoags call Taipaiwankas, which we would call orbs or ghost lights or will the wisp. Um, and the part that you can't see in the video, uh, mainly because it was edited out, because there's a there's a group partying uh, on the top oh, of the ledge, and we're at the bottom of the ledge. They okay. start swearing down to us. We start swearing up to them. Oh, okay. You should have looked at So that <laughs> so oh, footage great. exists, but it's not part of the video, right? Oh, um, it- and, and and you so we we go the other way, like you know, it's shot like this on her, but then it leans out towards the forest. And this is, you know, I mean, it's it's fairly deep in the woods. It's not it's not regularly visited. It wasn't visited at that time. Like there's no cars, but you see these ghost lights in the woods. These orbs that are in the woods. And so it's kind of reconfirms or reaffirms the idea that maybe this was a puck wedgie. Um, or it was just all in her mind. Like, who knows? It's, it, it, I know it's not for me to say what evidence is good or not. I present it. I try to create the setting of it to, to be like, right. here's what the situation was. It, all I can say is whatever it is. Um, it's, it's not fake. It's not doctored in any way. Well,
0: you, when you, when you tell that, you know, it sounds very much like, you know, the Celtic, uh beliefs you know and fairies and fairy mm-hmm. folk and yeah, yeah. how usually they you get the short end of the stick and they're kind of malicious and in some cases dangerous if you know what let's take tinkerbell version out of this if you look at right. the stories told about fairies they're they're a problem
1: you, you know, know I mean, Let and me they ask- were wampanoag war was buried for a very long time uh-huh. dug it up because people were having experiences and asking me as if I was some kind of authority what was going on what they were they experiencing. Okay. And so I kind of dug up this, these old stories. And if you were to ask me, looking at it critically, these are I Wampanoag know. stories heavily influenced and Christianized okay. by settlers who had a deep uh, history of the kind of fairy lore you're talking about. Okay. So I'm sure, because the Wampanoag had no written language until they were Christianized, that I'm sure a little European leprechaun lore... Got sure. Mixed in with these puck as they made their way from the mouth to the page.
0: Of course, and that happens. People don't yeah. realize that yeah, culture, yeah. that 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 oral tradition. You know how that thing lost in translation, but it's like exactly. changed in translation, yeah. and then yeah, exactly. eventually exactly. you get the uh, the uh, the version over here. Now, let me ask you before I do the intro: Is where you were at? Is that the same area that we're going to talk about? That forest? Yeah. Oh yeah. That yeah. Triangle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now That's let me do the course. intro, guys. <laughs> before we rolled. I mentioned to him because we're talking. I I'm telling you, coincidences, they're incredible. Earlier today
1: We call it hashtag follow the science. There,
0: there you go. I'm watching TV and I'm like, of course, because it's Halloween, they've got all the the grizzly and all the horror movies, <laughs> but anyway, I'm and I'm like, but some of these things after a while it's like, oh, you know, when you see the title, it's like I wonder what that's about. It's like, all right, I already know what this is about. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. so anyway, I come across this um documentary and basically it's retelling about uh, cult slaying. That's how they allude to it in the title. It's cult slayings um, that turn out were in the town of Fall River. Fall River as in, you know, the famous 40 wax she gave her mom, fa- father 40 wax Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden, you know, everybody thinks. But then it goes into that there was these murders, I want to say it was in the 1980s in Falls River, and I'm telling him, "Hey, I just saw this," because he's telling me he's from that area. And then, drum roll! It turns out he knows all about this, and we were discussing um, what was presented on the documentary versus the reality of it. And I, I understand what that. Sometimes I've seen documentaries based out of South Florida, Miami, that I'm looking at. I'm like, "That's that's not accurate," you know. So when you yeah. live in an area, you know. When they present certain things, that it's like either you're adding, or if not, you're omitting. How's that? I'll be nice about it instead of outright lying. You're, you're just you're omitting.
1: Slanting, you're, you're slanting it to your agenda, right? Ultimately, and really, they didn't didn't overly need to do that because no, it's it's it, there's not much out there um, about Carl Drew and about the the cult killings of that right. And, and and let's let's put the setting here, Chris. Basically, this story is about
0: the, the at the beginning the characters they're they're all unfortunately they live they're all come from broken homes they grew up and they're all e- either prostitution drug use you name it yeah the underworld you know the underbelly and th- at the beginning they present to you that there's a series of murders that were looked at as having a satanic or occult I don't know influence if you want Great to call influence. it that yeah yeah and then. Go on with it, Chris. Because what happens is, you know, they. It, by the way, all, all, not everybody. Some most of the people that were involved are still alive. Others have deceased. But
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's um it's not you know um. So my 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 beginning with this was okay. I I used to work at a library, and a uh-huh. uh, uh, Suffolk University Law Library, and I had a great boss in terms of he loved ghosts and he would just be like hey, go research this instead of working today. You're like, to <laughs> work. like, yeah, what a great boss. And, and so, uh, yeah, exactly. the Best kind of boss. Because I had unlimited resources at my at my I could get anything. And so he says to me one day, he walks in, and he's got his cup of coffee. He doesn't have a Robert the Doll mug, but he comes up and he's got his coffee. And he says to me, uh, hey, have you ever heard of Freetown? And I said, you mean like South Africa like or West Africa Freetown? Like, I know that very well. And he's like, no, no, no. In, in Massachusetts, uh, you know, uh, up there, up, up in the Portuguese part, uh, which was how he described it. And I was like, never heard of it. And he's like, yeah, why don't you take some time and look into it and, and look into this uh, satanic cop. And that was his information. He walked away and that's all he had. And okay. what I did was I started to kind of uncover what is the Freetown State Forest. And yeah. just for, for, um, for perspective, when the Freetown purchase happened, it included all of what is now Freetown, but also Fall River okay. and also Tiverton, Rhode Island. So, you know, people, and they're all part of a bigger thing known as the Bridgewater Triangle, which okay. is just this area of Massachusetts where anything you can possibly imagine within the paranormal and supernatural happened.
0: Right. UFOs and, and everything, right?
1: Everything. And, and it's really popular now. There's a There's a really bad. If you're talking about like getting the story wrong, there's a really bad podcast, like radio podcast out there, um, by uh, by the guy from Supernatural and the guy who does the the radio show Lore, um, uh, Arimenki, called Bridgewater, and it's absolutely. If you've like literally my research just vomited up and changed around, it's it's horrible. Like uh,
2: yeah, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. But but whatever. People like it. It's more popular than my show. So what can I say? Um, and so I immediately got, a, a, got a, a line on this guy named Alan Alves. Okay. And Alan Alves was um, a cop. He was just a regular old cop that caught a few cases early that had a a, a, a cult, cult with a C, not with an O, a cult slant to them, because the Freetown State Forest was filled with different cults that were running through that originally he thought were just remnants of the hippies, right. which ended up being, you know, uh, more, much more organized and things like that. So he's, so he's, 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 uh, 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 I don't know what town in the Ocala that you live near. Um, I'm, but I'm I mean, north
0: of, I'm north of Ocala. I live like in a little itty bitty town with 5,000 okay. people.
1: Beautiful. So imagine your town and imagine right. investigating over 30 homicides. In like a twenty-year detective career, and now I, you have Alan Alves. The Freetown State Forest was—I called it the paranormal dumping ground. You're less than an hour, much like the Ocala. You're mu- you're an hour away from Boston, Providence, okay. Rhode Island, Brockton, Massachusetts. These areas, Fall River and and and, and New Bedford, areas of high crime. You do your crime there. You dump the body in Freetown. Right. I was gonna say it. it's a dumping ground. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. In, in an hour, you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, but there was also these other crimes that were happening that were being drawn there. And so one of the very first cases that I found out about was um, the 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 Satanic murders, which we all called the Carl Drew murders. Um, okay. Carl Drew is the central figure of the story in the old days. Um, right, it, right, right. He's he, like, um,
0: he was like, uh, I want to, I want to say he, he was described as this real cutthroat pimp guy, and I think that's yeah, why everything was laid at his feet,
1: you know. Yeah, like, and, and for all intents and purposes, like it, it really was. And if you've watched the documentary you're talking about, I think it's called Fall River, right? Um, if you watch it, it's, it, it's uh, misrepresenting a little bit what was going on. He was, um, he was kind of a little bit of a brain but more the um, he had a younger woman who, who whose name was Robin Murphy, who right. really kind of was the brains of everything. Now, we we're talking about the satanic panic and all this stuff. They were 100% um, worshipers of Satan, right? Okay. And both of them used Satan as a way to uh, entice people in and right. then to control them. Sure. So if you're talking about the satanic panic, you've got to you've got to separate the idea of that people were like molesting kids and stuff like that with people who were during that time who were into the occult, now with an OC, into the occult, who uh-huh. were using it as motivation, right? Sure. So the satanic panic is something real, right? These cases of, of lost memories that were like infl- in, inserted right. into them, that's all real. But the, those killings, those slayings were not motivated by Satan, not motivated by their Satanism. They were motivated by crime. They were motivated by you don't talk about what's going on. And then we need to silence this person and we need right. to silence this person. So it really was a case of um, it was a case of a pimp and his underling keeping control of their women and of their criminal enterprise. Right. And and that,
0: that the flavor that you get of it is like because of the occult that they've introduced, they have like supernatural knowledge. I know everything you're going to do yeah, yeah. before you do it. So it was, yeah, it was a big psyop as well, convenience wise, you know. Right,
1: right. And, and of course you're dealing with people who uh, are high 100% of the time. Yeah. And so that, and you also have to keep in mind that a lot of these people are coming from, Either Fall River, New Bedford area in, in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. or have directly come from Portuguese, uh, Portugal or the island I can't think of that's that's right off the right off the coast of Africa, which is also highly Portuguese influenced. There's a version of Portuguese voodoo uh, and mm-hmm. santeria that is very prominent in that part of Massachusetts. I did not um, know to that. To the point that the Freetown State Forest is known for its zombies, right? Like there, it's and so. Really? If that's part of your cultural background and you've that's right. here and you're and you're and you're high, you know what I'm saying, and, and you're and you're you're smoking crack and meth is now being introduced like in the early, you know, in the later stages of it, and you have that paranoia, someone who seems to know everything about Satan and 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 has these rituals can take that power. Sure. Um, but it you know, I don't think in any of the cases, any of the murders that are involved in there and any of the other murders that are are unsolved and and but somewhat connected that aren't necessarily part of the documentary carl drew had very little to do if anything to do with them and i present that in my book and carl drew was so happy about that that he sent me a few letters okay uh, and drew me some really creepy pictures (laughs) see this is the thing
0: and and, how can it's almost like when you finish seeing it you know they kind of put that doubt in your mind was this the guy that was responsible for these the murder yeah. of to the prostitutes that we're talking about right yeah but by the same token it's like and I agree you know but that he was a creepy you know this, yeah, this like, he was an SOB this is like no nice guy that was railroaded you know it, you it know was,
1: it's it, he's not he's not manson he's not Dahmer he's not Gacy. no he is um he is your typical uh street thug who right. ran his corner of town, ran yes. his little section of town, which is like a block, you know what I'm saying? And right. gets caught up in this bigger thing, which then becomes, once it hits the public, and yeah. they get like, oh, so not only are they having these satanic rituals with police officers in an apartment building, but they're also going in into the Freetown State Forest to have them at this shack, the infamous shack in the Freetown State Forest, Now it explodes to become something bigger, and he becomes, to some degree, a boogeyman and a folk hero in Massachusetts. When really he's just a pimp who got caught up in what is is happening in every town like that all across the.
0: Even says that um, he was at that time. Well, I mean, I don't know, but I don't think that he was illiterate. I don't know if he's still illiterate, but that even during those times, because he grew up in a very dysfunctional household. Exactly. and yeah. he didn't get any schooling so he was like illiterate and like you said basically it's like you you do you know the guy was not a nice guy by no means but at the same time is like and you know in the process there's people here that this happened when they were really young like in their late right. teens or 20s and now some of them they're if they're alive they're still older
2: yeah, you know some then, of
0: them change their story and then
1: i think i think really only two of those people like robin murphy um, yeah and, and I remember right about the time Dark Woods was coming out, mm-hmm. Robin Murphy was let out. So you talk about in the documentary, she's let out for a while, and then she breaks her parole and she has to end up going back in. And it was like, people were like, dude, is Robin Murphy going to come to your house? And like, you know. Well, let me ask you something things. real quick about that because I didn't understand
0: that. Because, yeah. th- and let's put this Robin Murphy was, a, she was what, 17 or 18? Yes, yeah. she was, she was, a was a really teenager. young. teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Again, she goes in this really dysfunctional background, you know, you name it. But they they're interviewing all these different uh, police officers that, at that time, were active, and all of them across the board were saying she was tougher than a lot of men. They knew. They said there were men that ran from this girl, and she's seventeen. Yeah, yeah. She was ultra violent, and,
1: and she also, and she also had a genius IQ. So oh, I didn't addition, know that part. Oh yeah, well, and you this can she tell she's not, really, not she's not stupid at all. No, you can tell exactly that was, and and not only did she have a genius IQ, she had because of that horrible background a deep understanding of people and how to manipulate them. Well, and if, so if she yeah, was to... she was, I, I, when you listen to the story, you,
0: you realize at some point, this this girl or this woman decides, I'm not going to be the victim. I'm going to be the victimizer. Yeah. You know, enough of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, she turns into a super predator. If you want to call it driven by circumstance, whatever you like, you know, according to one of her stories, one of the people there that they, they also cast as a Satanist was molesting her since she was 11 to 12 years old. Um, but anyway, she was, but they were saying that basically she's competing as a pimp against the other guy. Like you said, they're yeah. like, they're doing the same thing, but they're both wanting the, the wanting the same turf.
1: She was, yeah, and she, I think in the documentary uh, now, I, we, I saw the documentary when it came out. So I was literally right. waiting for the next episode to come out of it when it right. seemed like a mini series. So it's gotta be like two, three years ago now. Um, yes, but I think in the in, it's painted in there as if they were competitors. Right. Well, that's was, an. Is that accurate? They were competitors. No, it was more of they were working together. They were running in the same circles. Okay. If they were competitors at all, they were competitors in that. You know, she was at that time portrayed. You know, the the big dog walking and the little dog hopping. Yeah. Yeah, Butch. Yeah, Butch. Yeah. I exactly. Was, you know, like, I remember that. That would be that would be uh, maybe more of like the the relationship. Um, but with him out of the way, she, she, she was the one, she would have been the one to be able to take control and, and right. And- it was almost like they portrayed
0: almost like they're trying to do the same thing. They're competitors, but at the same time, it's like, don't stumble because if you do, I'm going to be the first one
1: yeah. to take yeah, advantage it, it, of it. It was much more, they were, they were running in the same circles and working yeah. at the same things. And she was the newcomer and he was the, 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 you know, at, at whatever 21, 22 years old, the grizzled veteran. Of that area, uh, but so it you know it's. Um,
2: so uh, let me answer tur- something.
1: She turns on him,
2: uh, right? So you know, authors-
1: that lady. She's she's like man, no no mercy, no prisoners. Forget yeah, it. And he he looks sketchy. Like you just look at him, um, and 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 he looks he, he's right out of central casting for for an evil person, and and she uh is evil on the inside more, and uh, outwardly she's although I think it, twenty years later. From it, she looks like one of the Manson girls to me in all well, of Well, you know, God, here. you must have – they do point that
0: out. They said that by the time she came to court, and we'll talk a minute about the murders, they, of course, had put her up, you know, back in the 70s and yep. 80s. You know, she had, like, a sweater with a thing, and they even put a little cross on her, and they long put, like, her hair, hair, long and straight hair. Exactly like what you described, like, some of these Manson girls. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, very uh, schoolgirlish,
1: like – you look at her and you go, how could she be running? See, she was the spitting image of like Karen Carpenter. It, it, when yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way they presented her. And the, the newspapers every once in a while would get a picture. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie like The Devil's Advocate where the yes. woman every once in a while she would see the demon face and then we yes. go back. They would get one shot of her. Like those great pictures of Ted Bundy too. And you would just see the, 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 the eyes. And it would just be like a And the mask picture. slips a little bit. Yeah, and the mask slips down a little bit and you would, you would see it. Um, and, but she was, yeah and, and so she got the lesser term And was able to get out after a while so. Now this is the thing, let's talk about There's one murder of a
0: prostitute Again, by the way, these prostitutes were very young 17, 18, 16, these were young girls There's one of them that they find in Under some bleachers
1: Okay mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is pretty horrific That's probably the most um, uh, Folklore uh, Aspect of the crime Altogether um, what do you mean by that? Because she is, she's found with her body dumped. Yes. Um, people, and I've had people call me on radio shows when I've been talking about this back in the day, uh, up there in, in the triangle, um, mm-hmm. talking about, Hey, is that the person who they found her with a head on a pike or that her body, uh, was dumped in a church and the head was dumped in a, uh, a synagogue. Hey, isn't that the one where they went out and they found the satanist playing soccer with her head? Like uh, all these different things and there are by the way all those things I just mentioned are evil satanic crimes that happened in that area. Okay. Um, but it's it's one of those things where and, and and I think it's 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 the one with the M, Matson, Madison Madison. Th- this is my old this is the first book I ever right, wrote. But in other words what you're saying is all these
0: stories after a while they start bleeding over one they into start the bleeding other. Into
1: each other, right? So, yeah. You know, there was a, there was a case where, um, in the Freetown State Forest, there was a, a mausoleum that was broken into, um, okay. the were taken out of the mausoleum and the, uh, the teenagers who were looking to get into like one of the bigger cults that was active in that area had uh-huh. done this, uh, to drink out of the skulls with the idea that you get power if you drink out of the skull of the dead. Um... So that's a story and that's something that really happened uh and yet uh Kathleen Marston, I believe is her name, um mm-hmm. is the, it, sometimes she's the head in that case. And so any weird thing that Right, occurred, they kind of like hodgepodge it together. But let me tell you this is the
0: thing they the the how can I say it? The way they describe the murder though, it was not somebody that they like you know how you you hear about these murders, execution style, they shoot somebody in the back of the head, Boop. That's it. Yeah, this was a pretty uh, horrific. They so, tortured this person in a
1: way. This girl. So what happened um, in terms of the the Freetown altogether for me is right. that you you read a case like that, and then you read a case of the the high school cheerleader who was um, who was hung up uh, and left to die, and then you read about the serial killers which had a satanic angle to them, and you're right. reading about these drug dealers who set people on fire and. And what I noticed was that in this paranormal dumping ground, in this in this dumping ground, okay, uh, nothing, everything was jacked up. Everything was intensified. Right. It was like the crimes were disproportionate, or the violence was disproportionate to the crimes. And so it was almost as if these people were, for us easy, for to use an easy term, it was almost like they were possessed. If you look at Lizzie Borden, it's almost as if she were possessed. And let's not keep in. Let's keep in mind that she's not the first murder on that property as well. Right. Right. So, and that was also a case where the people to me out of their mind. And so I started to like roll around in my head, the question of can someplace be evil? Okay. But then also can the same energy, the same juice, the same bad juju, um, in addition to causing ghosts, Bigfoot, Thunderbirds, zombies, all these paranormal things, can it also draw in serial killers? Can it also draw in, in Uber violence? Can it also sure. um that the the triangle itself and Freetown to an even higher degree in Massachusetts had at that time the highest divorce rate, the highest rate of teen suicide, the Bridgewater oh. State Hospital had like 7 times the amount of suicides that would happen in that mental health facility than any mental health facility Wow. The- 24 which is the backbone of the Bridgewater Triangle had more fatal accidents per accidents, car accidents than anywhere else in the country. Right, that- like the odds are like out of proportion. Right. And so it began with that question of like are some places bad? and do they draw bad things into them? Like are things drawn there? You know, yes. does it not only taint stuff, but also beg the, this 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 dark stuff to come in? Sure. And so uh, that first book, Dark Woods, which talks about all of those cases. It talks about the serial killers. It talks about, you know, the, the James Cater uh, um, uh, murder, uh, which I think has a satanic angle um, as well. What's the name uh, again? James who? I believe it's James Cater. Uh, K A T E R. Um, he was a man who had kidnapped a woman out of, out of a town and brought her to the Triangle. Okay. And, um, brought her to the Freetown State Forest, hung her up to a tree, and left her for dead. And she died of exposure. Oh. Um, all from reading everything, it's, it's not, um, it, it wasn't exposure. It was probably a bullet wound. He had done almost the same exact crime. In Essex County, Massachusetts, had served time for it, except for the girl got away. Um, I was able to track remnants of a cult that began in Essex County. So think Salem, right? Salem, uh-huh. Mass. Right. Essex County, as they leave Essex County and they move to the New Bedford Fall River area, then all of a sudden this guy who seems to kind of be working for them shows up in the Freetown State Forest where this cult is now active. The day that he was caught, um, someone mysteriously burned his house down and any evidence that was that was in his house of anything. What a coincidence huh? huh? Um, now, you and I were talking right before we started about, you know, they want this cult angle because it then can connect things and stuff like that. The, uh, the, the cater case is the exact opposite. I talked to Alan Alves, who knows everything about it. I mean, this is a guy who was a consultant – to police forces all across the country because of how much of this kind of stuff was happening in his town. And him and every single law enforcement officer I talked to in writing the book very quickly would go, nope, 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 no nope, no occult with that, no occult with that, like, no Satanism with that, nope, 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 because the opposite is true. Once you get that involved, now it's sometimes harder to convict people. Because well
0: this is the thing and i'm going to mention and and you know it's yeah. one of the I've, I've always had books all my life and this is you know one of those books that somehow you lose in the shuffle uh-huh. and this was a book i want to say was either published in the 80s or the 90s and it was it was written by again i can't remember it's one of those things that without and the guy you if i remember correctly he was ex-law enforcement and in yeah. it he 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 starts talking about Historically, how sometimes at crime scenes, there's a cult symbology, but not blatant. How's this? Exactly. Yeah. And that when law enforcement arrives, they don't realize what they're looking at, that sometimes there's messaging for, you know, if you have eyes to see about, I guess my point is that sometimes, yeah, you have the cult or the cult or the satanic or whatever you want to call it, you know, symbology. And like you said, it's used a lot as a big psyop to scare whoever's in there or just to drive people, whatever. But then, when you do have the people that are really into it, that sometimes they do that killing, whether it's sacrificial, and they leave symbology that if you don't know what you're looking at, right, it just it just goes right past you, and police, uh, law enforcement will look at it as a, a just a regular murder, whatever,
2: right,
0: um, and I think that happens a lot. People don't realize that not every occult
1: uh, if, type of murder. If you has, know what you- has if to be know, in your face if you know what you're doing. And, and so the, one of the big, that one of the greatest things Alan Allen's taught me, uh, and I used it when I started looking at the Ocala as well, is okay. the idea of if you see the cult, you're not seeing the real cult, right? Because there are different levels yes. of organization, and the really now I'm not willing to say like Illuminati and stuff like that level. Right, 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 right. right. Talking yeah. about organized crime that have an occult angle to them the people who are working for them don't know that they're working for them right are you it, they think they're doing their own thing and yet
0: right that sometimes it depends you know what, what cog in the where are you in the cog of the wheel or whatever are right. you familiar at all with mortary who wrote the son of sam's book yeah 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 if you, look, if you look you know besides detailing the son of sam and Berkowitz, basically you know the theme of his book is that he it was to him it was like uh a cult in, in other words it was a group of people whether they were cultist Satanists or whatever that were involved in it and it's exactly what you described some of these people were just basically they were being sent out to do kill people for whatever right. if they need rid- to get
1: rid of somebody exactly and, and it's funny because if you've watched the, the newer documentary on Netflix they I haven't watched it yet they uh, basically tear that entire book apart.
2: Um, I know. I'm not,
1: sure if, I'm not sure if the. I'm not sure. If it, was it was the, the cult called the Order or something like that? No, the well, the, the in some
0: cases they call them the children, and they look at it when he details it, yeah. which, which I have to give him his man. That guy really like he yeah. you, when he ex- says something, he gives you why he's. Ex- but they're usually they look at it as being sprung from the Process Church out of the UK.
1: The Process, the process is what I'm thinking of, right?
0: Okay, so, which has its roots believe it or not in l Ron hubbard scientology early early scientology yeah, yeah. back in the 60s oh. and then of course it goes off and does his own thing kind of deal
2: so
1: if you're if you're running this kind of cult um and so we talked about the satanic panic but guess what there are groups there are nefarious groups out there right mm-hmm. um so you know people say like oh you know we had to have caught them because we uh we saw uh, 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 an order for pizza, and we know pizza was code for something else. Right. People that high up are never going to get caught because, oh no, you unless they want some aspect of it caught. So if I'm running a cult of yeah. that degree, I say, Marlene, you are now a police officer. So go yes. infiltrate them. And you, Joe, you are going to infiltrate the biker gangs. And that's and exactly how I do it. I am so. So glad you pointed that. You are out. going. Wait, wait, wait. You are going. Uh, everybody, you're going to go uh, infiltrate the NAACP, and you're going to infiltrate the KKK, yes. and you're going to. And, and it's one of those things where they no one knows, and and they're never. The important thing is they're never the leaders. Mm-mm. They're always the lieutenants who are not seen because they're there to influence the I- policies. But not throw them out there, and so all these things, which seem diametrically opposed to each other, are all built upon the same thing, which is profit and chaos. Right. Well,
0: this is the thing, and if you read the book and a lot of it, it describes exactly like maybe you might know who's right above you, but up the food chain, you really yeah. don't know. And there's one part, and I'm gonna where Berkowitz describes how they were trying to get him a job at the what's the equivalent of the dog catcher as an animal control guy. You think what well, for? Because they wanted to sacrifice dogs, German yeah. shepherds to be precise. And and you might think, wow, but you know, how much easier would it be to be the guy that works at the animal control,
1: right? And have so access that, and all of
0: that, right? So right. you know, hey, when we get a dog that fits our needs, you're going to call so and so and guess say, hey, guess what we got in here? Right. Come in, come and adopt it or whatever. Um, and, and and but it, they do that at different echelons. Not everybody was infiltrated to be. Um, you know, the dog catcher. But it's that kind of
1: idea. You know, it's it's um, it's one of those things where you, you sound crazy when you say it. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's conspiracy theory. And maybe it's mm-hmm. just your mind making. But as soon as I started doing research on the Ocala and just being aware, all of a sudden you start to hear that word in every news report. Right. Um, you start to hear the Ocala National Forest uh, associated with multiple, sometimes daily, uh, disappearances. Well, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna,
0: I'm, you know, um, I'm, are you familiar with um, Gerard Schaefer? He was a serial killer out here in the '70s and '80s. Dude, like
1: you are talking to, yeah. My obsession is Gerard Schaefer. Okay,
0: well, you know that two of the of his, well, how's this? You know, you can't convict somebody posthumously. But two cold cases, they retired based on the fact that they think he was the one. They, the girls have never been found.
2: No. That's it. Not. Their
0: bodies have never been recovered. And I want to say Their not too long ago. ghosts are still very
1: active. Huh? Their ghosts are still very active. Oh, we got to I talk know exactly about that. what you're talking
2: about. Okay.
0: <laughs> this is the thing. Now, listen to this. This is how I found out about how, how you know, like, different, ro- different roads lead to Rome. I, I'm, I'm I had somebody, I had an author that I met. I was doing a Comic-Con. And he was, re- he was, he was a writer of all these different, um, oh, I see that. Okay.
2: Oh, we're going to put up that,
0: that, we're put that up and just hold on a minute. <laughs> he's, he's, um, he's talking to me. Oh, here we go. To stream. There
1: we go. Is that who you're talking about? Yes.
0: These two, <laughs> these two girls, they've never been found by the way. Yeah. Never been found. They disappeared out they of a national forest. Are their boyfriends they had a company their boyfriends who were diving and these two girls by the way in the middle of the day are walking along the path they're like what what would you do if your boyfriend is your boyfriends are diving you know you're there mm-hmm. and later on i believe somebody says that they see a guy walking behind them along the one of the trails or the paths but hey it's, it's a national forest what do you expect that's it right. never seen again no uh so far no bodies have ever been recovered. No remains.
1: Yeah, I know where they're buried. Um, okay. So wait, wait! Oh my God!
0: See here, don't do that to me. Wait, let me see how I'm gonna do this. Tie into Schaefer. Okay. I, I talked to this guy, and he's telling me about how there's this devil tree out in St. Lucie County. Yeah. All right. And we started talking. We even went out there. He starts telling me how he bases fictional stories around the the the, the tree, and that is supposed. to. Then he comes to tell me that after he publishes his this fiction book, you know, you get inspired by true events. He starts getting hassled by Satanists. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, oh, come on. And he's like, no. He goes, I did. I have been. And I was like, what? And then it's like, okay, what comes first? The chicken or the egg? Did, did this guy show? Do, you know, I mean, he dumped women in different areas. It wasn't just specifically there. Was, did he yeah, yeah. go there? As a the,
1: matter of fact, um, other than other than another case that I I have two cases I should say that I think that he's good for one one for sure um, he pretty much was a, was a, a you know um, um, a Martin County because that's he was a Martin County yes. yes He's pretty much that side although he did do some work in St Pete so, as well so it's really hard to um, uh, really hard to nail that stuff down I've 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 been to the Devil's Tree okay um, I have Schaefer's voice on tape. Really, uh, which, is pre- which is really creepy. Which is really creepy. Yeah, I've been. I have a. Um, I have a project uh called Boogeyman, which okay. is uh, the the fact and fiction of Gerard Schaefer. So I don't know if you knew this about me, but like I've been researching Gerard Schaefer for the last two years, like hard. No, 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 no.
0: I didn't. Let me tell you something. I had. Let's face it, Florida. You know how some states, you know, all the weirdos somehow end up in yeah. Florida. And it's one of those things, and it was like one of those things where you meet somebody, he's telling me about the inspiration oh, for minute. his fictional books, and the minute. next thing you know. Oh, wait, I don't have the
1: slide in this one. Okay, sorry.
0: You come slide up one. Gerard Schaefer. Yeah. Then you start, and back then, when this happened, I was living down in Miami. I had no idea I was going to end up living close to Ocala. And, um, and then I followed up after the initial, and I find out that finally they closed the case, the cold case on these two girls.
1: Yeah. And they recently, closed, they recently closed another case just a few months ago uh, of a little girl he abducted as well. So, yeah. So the, these two ladies are um, – they're at, in Alexander Springs. Uh, right. so they're, they're in uh, Altoona with their boyfriends. They don't know each other. The, the, the four – like their couples know each other, obviously, but they don't know each other. But they're all part of this group called – one of my favorite names of all time of a group. They're the Aquaholics. Um, <laughs> That's cute. Because they, because they all like to skin dive, right? Okay. So they get to Alexander Springs. It's too cold. Okay. The girls stay at the table, at a picnic table. Um, the boys go off. Now, it, to me, this is never explained in the story, but to me, when I hear that two boys go off and leave their girlfriends, to me, it sounds like they went in the woods to get high, right, right, like to smoke some weed or something like that. Right. They come back. The girls are, are not seen uh, ever again. Um, when they – so Gerard Schaefer basically, in a nutshell, Gerard Schaefer – uh, picks up these two girls as a cop. He picks up these two girls um, who are hitchhiking. Right, people don't and, realize that in the 70s, hitchhiking was a big thing. Right, right. and so he uh, he picks them up and then he invites them out the next day. And when he invites them out the next day, he hangs them from a tree and he essentially is going to murder them when he's called off on cop duty and leaves. And, right, but it's not these girls. What did you say? Not these girls, different girls. Right, they're right. These are right, these are two this different is, girls. Yeah. This is this is like, you know, this is like three or four years after after that. right. And so he immediately tells his, and they escape, the two girls escape. He immediately right. tells his commanding officer, like, I was trying to teach these girls not to hitchhike. I was trying to teach them a lesson, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. he gets he gets um, he gets brought in and he is essentially starts serving time eventually for assault for for kidnapping and assault right for holding holding someone in, in Yeah I think the, the 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 police chief realizes that's a bunch of Right. And, yeah I was like yeah. And so it. they uh but it's but it's still a minor charge he's not he's not like going away for years and years and years. But during that time they connect him to uh to an almost exact crime on Hutchinson Island. Right. Where the two women are killed. Yes. Um then they raid his house, which is nowhere near Port St. Lucie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important because there's a broken down foundation right near the Devil's Tree that people sometimes say was his house where he tortured women, which is completely not true. Right, but but,
0: but people have to understand also that you go now to that location and it's a residential area, but back then there was nothing out there.
1: Right, right. So and and. There, and, and when they um, – more, when they go to his mom's house in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale, they find trophies of dozens of cases. Yes. And so they found trophies from uh, these two women whose bodies are eventually found in Port St. Lucie in addition to the two women um, that you're seeing right there. Right, and because so- he doesn't work with some of his – even his own neighbors – Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had, yeah. He, he, there was, there are a few cases where he was doing that um, as well. And so he ends up anywhere between, um, between six and 130 murders. Um, he's yes. connected to one way or another. Now, the two ladies that you have, right, that, that we have here, um, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm trying, to, I'm struggling with their names. I always have my notes. If I could zoom in, I could totally see. It's, it's, it's Nader and something else. Um, right, Lechner and Nader, I think their names are. Um, they, where I, where I, pretty sure they are. Is um, Schaefer, Schaefer's mo was to to abduct from one place and bring to another. And right, I, mean, it, it, right, and like in other words, someplace if he was going to torture them, where they
0: could be screaming and nobody was going to hear them.
1: Exactly. So it's my belief that he actually brought them to. Based the the woods that were off of uh, Rolling Acres Road in Lady Lake. Okay. Um, For one reason or another, and that's the the other picture that you're seeing there in the left left hand side of the or right depending on you look at the picture of the boat, is that they actually um, had reason to believe they were in Lady Lake, the lake at Lady Lake, and Uh so they brought out Lake County um, investigators to try to find their 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 bodies there um but i believe they they were buried in the woods off of rolling acres road which is an extremely haunted section of that town um, really that has one of the one of the ghostly legends that's connected to it in addition to this white uh, this woman in white hitchhiker well let me ask you something
0: do you think because sometimes i'm trying to look these are these they were like do you think what was it that he used a gun to like force them out what do you think
1: um Wow. What was it? You know, he he was a talker, first of all. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so, you know, because, oh, you know, oh, many of his murders involved two people, right? Like two people. So how do you get control of two people? Right. Well, he kind of boasted that once he was able to do twos, it was like twice
0: as fun, you know, like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, There's a story that uh, there's a story that when uh, Ted Bundy makes his way to start prison, which is in the Ocala. Um, he makes his way to start prison. One of the first things he does when he gets there is find a way to, to to get to to meet Gerard Schaefer and thank him for Ted Bundy thanking Gerard Schaefer for giving him the inspiration to kill two women at once.
0: Right. Like double the. Um, the...
1: So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he would. I don't know if I don't even know where what his position would have been then. I, I don't have my timeline with me. Uh, I have an intricate timeline in my bedroom of where he is during certain times whether he was authoritative enough to uh, be a park ranger or to have some kind of identity. Well, see, this is, this takes
0: place. This was supposed, because remember again, they, you know, that's the thing about some of these serial killers. Sometimes they say they claim victims they never had, but right. sometimes their real number is kind of fuzzy, but I know this happened in yeah. 66. Okay.
2: 66, this one.
0: And yeah. this is like one of the, the early ones. And again, it's like in the middle of a park, you know that you think with two guys, but even though the guys are not there, and I always thought, did he like pull out a gun? And but if you look at him, especially back in the sixties, he had that all-American look. Yeah. You know, like very like handsome and clean-cut and everything. He,
1: he, he um he had. If you look at his history, um even if you if you, if you talk to like or, or l- listen to, uh like Sandra London. Yes, uh, who who co-authored the uh, his book with him, which was the book was essentially a record of his crimes. He he had this really weird way of uh, luring women in and being seductive. Oh yeah, and tapping into, um, tapping into, um, the BDSM that was inside of them that they didn't know was inside of them. Now I'm not saying that's what happened in the park, but he had a really whether he just could read it. Or whether he brought out something that was in just a lot of these women naturally, that abuse, that violent, that connection between sex and violence, he did a really good job of getting a lot of women willingly in line with that, um, which, you know, sometimes was able to satisfy his his that side of him, for times. Well, this is the
0: thing. You hear that. Are we a
1: kids show? Can we say BDSM on. Uh- oh,
0: my God. for Yeah, whatever. Okay. But, 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 uh, sometimes I get those mixed up myself. Uh, dom, yeah. What is there? Sadomasochistic or yeah, binding yeah. or whatever. Okay. I, don't worry about that. But okay. it's like everything goes here. Um, the thing was, early when he was a teenager, they interviewed his girlfriend, his teenage girlfriend. Yeah. And she's saying how in the relationship, lucky for her it ended uh he wanted he, he wanted to play act like a rape he wanted yeah. she he wanted her to act like i'm raping you you know and he also had a, i believe also a fetish with wearing women's underwear
1: and that kind of deal yeah and, and then he kind of like, like got worse as he it, it, older it's really interesting cuz cuz i would i would i would like to know if this woman is still alive and what she thinks but he had a, an older woman when he was a little bit younger who mm-hmm. trained him uh, how, really? to, how to, uh, deliver pain and that w- her kink was to be raped and she trained and molded him to, uh, to fill that fantasy for her. And, and that's, that you know what, and you always think about what comes first the
0: chicken or the egg because,
1: yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, but then again, it, he took so naturally to it that it was something. In yeah, sure. Like, Oh, this is wonderful. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. He's, it's really – but the and that's the interesting thing about Gerard Schaefer, which is why it's been this focus of mine for so long is that there is um, – there's so much – first of all, there are so many sites of his murders that are connected to ghostly legends or, or haunted sites.
0: Right, because, and but this then, is the thing. People – he was like um, – again, people have to remember that a lot of these locations that you look at them now, they're populated –
1: yeah, but they weren't then. And, and Rolling Acres is a great example of that. But then there's just so much about him that is mythology and has been mythologized. And yet, weirdly, no one would rank him in the, in the top 10 of serial killers, right? As far as I know, he's only been mentioned once on Criminal Minds um, and, and mm-hmm. mentioned wrong. Actually, right. Uh, they say the opposite. They say Schaefer got the inspiration from Bundy to kill two wheels. We're talking about a man who, uh, because of his intelligence and because of his charm, basically was a uh, a jailhouse lawyer, which is what might have gotten him killed. He has
2: his right. fingers.
1: He Otis Tool uh, was yes. a good friend of his, and Otis Toole for is is most likely the person who kidnapped and murdered Adam Walsh. Um, right. Exactly. When they were the sending, US. when in jail, um, once the elder Walsh fund fa- uh, fa- founds uh, America's Most Wanted and starts to become popular, Otis Toole started sending him ransom notes see, saying, if you want your son's hand or if you want your son's hand, right, give I remember me a certain that. amount of money. Those were, that was Gerard Schaefer who was writing those letters for Otis Toole because he was illiterate.
0: Well, this is the thing that yeah, no, and I believe he also had he was like subpar a little bit on IQ over this tool. He was like you know <laughs> yeah
1: like yes <laughs> that was I'm, that's a very diplomatic way of saying I'm it. Like, being, he was,
0: okay. He I'm was being, illiterate
1: and, and, and below the below the intelligence. Of the right. It wasn't
0: just that he was illiterate because there's people that are literate but they're real smart in yeah, the sense no, that
2: of that was not smart, but no, true,
0: no. <laughs> no. And th- this is the thing if if you look at it. In reality, Gerard Schaefer predated Bundy, and he was already in jail. But th- from what I understand, that some people think that uh, he might have gotten killed, which, which was what happened with Gerard Schaefer. He was killed by another inmate yeah. because he had developed a kind of a little bit of a, being a snitch. You know, it was one of those guys yeah. where
1: you know, which which is why part of the reason why he was able to offer detail. He was very uh, dichotomous in in that he would say. He would, he would boast of these numbers, but uh-huh. then if someone would write – he would never say the word serial killer. He would always use the initials SK. If someone wrote a newspaper article or a book that mentioned him and used the word serial killer, he would immediately sue them, including – Right, yeah, was, no, He, he right. was throwing
0: those frivolous so, lawsuits around like
2: Frisbee. Yeah, yeah. And, so, you know, so,
1: and he was good at it too. He, I mean yeah, he you – know, yeah. What else have you got so to He was worked, so he knew a lot of what was going on in the jail – and other criminal enterprise that were going on outside of the jail because he was acting as a lawyer for a lot of these people. My my personal opinion um, is that it had something to do with that, just like you're saying, um, or it also might have had to do with um, – do you know who Danny Rawlings is? The yes, of course. Yeah, the Gainesville Absolutely. Ripper. Yeah. Also – uh, has a connection to Schaefer as well because Sandra yes. London is was his fiance when, when he. Well, was... see, this is, and I
0: heard that son, that that after Sandra London dumped Schaefer, she that she was into her bad boys, and I mean bad boys. Yeah.
2: That absolutely. after she
0: dumped him and went off with Rolling so she's trying to square a deal with a book. That yeah, so then, so, Schaefer comes after you know threatening her. I'm going to do this to you. I don't yeah. know what he's going to do because he's incarcerated. But yeah.
1: And so and so you know there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with what Schaefer may have done mightn't have done there there's this one case where he is um he's accused of kidnapping these two girls and um uh, and their bodies are never found and I'm actually able to find evidence that not only were are they not dead they were never kidnapped which um, one are these the ones from the beach at the ice cream truck when they were little These are the ones the West coast ones. What you you just said describes like five of his kind, kind crimes. So it's like not the one in St. Pete that he eventually gets kind of snagged on, but the other one that's, that's on the other coast. And um, that girl, I'm able to track like her life. She ends up, uh, she ends up becoming a, um, it's a very big deal. She marries Florida's vampire, Florida's most famous vampire. Yes, I know you what you're the talking ceremony about. On the on, on on Halloween and stuff like And you look at the pictures and you know it's the same girl like 20 years later or 30 years later. And it's that kind of stuff that follows him around everywhere. Like right. he, there's story after story about these weird things and but the framing of, of what I'm working on with it is that I think that he is uh, the leading candidate for, um, for probably Florida's most – Popular and most covered in a way, um, unsolved murder, which would be Little Miss Panasofsky. You think um, so? You think I so? think 100%. 100%. Everything about that, and the weird thing is, is that for those people who are listening who don't know anything about the case, mm-hmm. every time the case is mentioned, everyone is obsessed with who she is. Yes, but in every documentary. The two unsolved mysteries they've done about, the countless documentaries, they never mention suspects. All the time is dedicated to this fascination because she is a roadmap of forensic psychology and our advances in it, right? As okay, we've because- gotten better, we've gotten a better handle on who she is, but no one ever talks about who did it. Okay, this is the thing. She's
0: discovered, you know, that there there was there, – there, well, there still is a Greek uh, diaspora over on the west Tarpon coast Springs. of right, Tarpon Springs, all that. Her dental work, you know, crazy, was,
2: right?
0: was found to have, it was done in Greece. In other words, she, she you know how they try to figure out who's this person? Obviously, but they don't have any type of, so, you know, of course, they look at dental work and they look at the type of dental work. And I mean, they're
1: they also look at, uh, especially in her case, levels of isotopes, different types of right, isotopes. Right, exactly. Like, what's, I, what was she eating? Dude, I'm an and English teacher. i don't know what I'm talking about, but I know it's isotopes. I know
0: that word. It's like, right, right, know? right, right, right. They, they, they're trying. Remember, this is, you know, pre, you know, not like now that DNA and the genome and all that. This yeah. is prevalent. The only thing they got to go on is fingerprints. And if that person's never been fingerprinted, there goes that. Dental. Uh, and like you said, what did she eat? How long ago? Right. You know, et cetera, et cetera, and I remember that basically everything with her that they could look at went in a dead end. Okay, which was looks like she's she wasn't really born or raised here in Florida, not really.
1: Yeah. So they've uh, recently, like in the past five years, okay, um, they have uh, isolated the town in Greece that she's from. Okay, they've spoken to people who essentially say this uh, a very particular person. Went to America, and around the time—if I'm doing my math, what is it? 1962. I know, or is, is it 72? It, whatever it is, it's 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 62, I believe, or 60. We just we just came up on the, the anniversary of it last year. Okay, um, that she disappeared at that time, and so they think they know, or they might know uh, who she is. But based on all of that work that they were able to do, they've they basically found the town in Greece that she's from. And we're able to connect with people who are talking about a missing girl who came to America or missing woman, I should say, who came right. to America and matches all of the uh, other things like the, had the baby, had this certain surgery, all these really? other things that go along with it. They've shown them the composite composite. So the interesting thing for people who don't know the case is as technology has developed over right. the years, it's been applied to the Miss Panosofsky case. And so you see here's. A portrait, here's a sketch to we've used her bone structure to develop this digital image. To we now have a 3D image, to right now. I've to seen to those three images 3D that are wow. They're like they're like yeah, so it incredible. really is, but in all of that, they never talk about who did it, who might have done it, who the suspect saw it, right? Right. And so um she's found essentially, she's found in the water uh like, which is why she's got it right off 75 i drive it all the time right by yes, that right yes. by yes. the bridge where the people found like saw her body floating right off that bridge all the time off 75 um and i always go little miss Panasofsky, give her a little kiss we'll find you and we'll find your killer and um she was found uh with 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 a belt around her neck which is right. classic Schaefer, right She's okay. found, now granted that's not a ridiculous mo. Like that's not like you know it's it, it's some weird bizarre thing that not other people might do, but she's found in, in what is only it's only whatever it is it's only a little bit of time away from the cases we were just talking about uh, with Lechner and Nader, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the same it's in the same vicinity. He was known for Saint Pete. So we're talking, okay. like, St. Pete's an hour away from... from yeah, no, uh, that, that you could get hour. there like a nothing. Yeah. I mean, everything makes sense, and yet... I, and he was active during that time. He yes. was an active serial killer during that time, and yet, not only is his name not brought up, um, no name is ever brought up. And it seemed like such a... It seems... Now, I don't know if it's true or not true, but it's a really good framing because he's perfect for it, and it's, it's another example of why Schaefer is this kind of boogeyman who really for the last 40, 50 years has terrorized the state, even from the grave. And yet so many people don't know his name. So when you throw out Schaefer, just like you did at the beginning of this, and I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I know Schaefer. Oh, oh, let me tell you something there. This guy was like, um, he was really into, it wasn't just the serial
0: killing as in killing. He was into the torture aspect.
1: Yeah, it was really, you know, and, and like I said, because of that, Uh, There's so much that fits into our fears, and so we we he he is mythologized. He's a he's this weird folk hero where all these different things around him. It's really hard to grasp onto. It's like trying to trying to hold smoke because uh, anything could be true and nothing could be true, and all of it would make complete sense in Schaefer world.
0: Well, and and what you said as far as by the way, way,
1: anyone in the audience. We haven't even started to talk about why we started why we were going to talk tonight. Like, I know that we're, we're, we're going to go
2: that, we're going to go, go, go back, back there. there. Don't worry <laughs> about it.
1: Which is all just on this fly. Like we had no idea this is what we we're going to be talking about. But tonight. you know I what? Like,
0: and it's and what You mentioned him about being like a you know the gift of gab. Yeah. There was one of his neighbors that disappeared. I I want to say she eventually was found. I can't remember, but she was she used to work uh, as a barmaid, and. She's telling her, I want to say her sister or sister-in-law, our neighbor, he, check this out, he works for the CIA and he wants to hire her, you know, and pay her lots of money. Yeah, it's a great story. Right. You know, in other words, he, he, you know, any other person is going to be like, really, come on. (laughs) But he kind (laughs) of knows what to say to some of these women. That somebody else would be incredulous. Like, come on, who are that you? That
2: is
1: like he, he, he was multiple people. And so right. that's why so much about him could be true. Um, right, but he
0: knew how to feed into the persons. like. He did, yeah. She'll believe this. She'll think, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I'll go with you wherever you want because we're going to go mm-hmm. do a James Bond
1: film or James Bond lifestyle, I mean. And if you look at some of these stories, some of the stories of abductions and near abductions that involve him involve mothers saying, that's amazing. Have a good time. Yeah, you know, he's not. It's not just the women themselves. Well, you know he, that. That's
0: how he got caught one of the times. One of the moms. That's took the one down that's down
1: Pete. Who she got the wrong. She got the uh, the license the plate, plate slightly wrong on yeah. his blue Dotson.
0: Yeah. Thank God. It's something. I think to myself, if something's making you think, like, why don't you telling your daughter get off the car, get out of yeah, the car why don't right you do now? do that
1: part of it too. Yeah, you know, it's it's um and uh so one of the stories that. I found, and it was kind of an obscure line. Um, and he he says it he says it to Sandra London, and he repeats it several other times. And this is this is the, this is a crazy uh, part of him uh, that well, what could what could scare the boogeyman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's in jail, and he's talking about several different criminal organizations. Oh my god, I know what have. you're going with. He this. he has he has a part in them. Right, okay. and he's and he's a high level member of this, and they were you know they 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 love him, and he can do anything. He's basically telling Sondra London and anyone else, uh, <clears throat> I can I can kill you anytime I want. Right. right. Yeah. And so he's boasting about this stuff, and your party half of you is going like, Yeah, okay, like not only you um, you know a member of uh, you know Dixie Dixie
0: the, mafia, mafia, yeah, like-
1: right. the Dixie Mafia. He was like the Dixie Bank. you See? You're, well, you're a smart gal. Um, and so. He has this one line, which is kind of a throwaway line, where he talks about how he uh, has it in with the this biker group that I'm not going to say the name. This biker group out of Daytona, okay, who uh, who are running drugs and who are who are a satanic cult posing as a biker group, okay, uh, who are running things through the Ocala that he can do what that will do whatever he wants them to do. Right. He, he sends this to her. He almost immediately within weeks is shipped off unexplicably. Like I, I haven't been able to find any reason why he's transferred from Stark to a prison in Marion County. I don't think it's Coleman. I, they don't say what prison it is, but I don't think it's Coleman. Yeah, there's a there's a few there's a few out he here. He spends only a few days. Mm-hmm. He goes back to Stark, and he recants everything he said. This man never recanted anything in his life. Right. It was like, but what are they gonna do to me? Put me in jail? Something, <laughs> right. Something put the fear of of the devil, we'll say, in the right. boogeyman. Now I'm working on the Ocala book, and I'm and I'm I'm making it in my mind as I'm starting to work on it. It is Darkwoods Two right okay. so it was going to be this combination of the same thing the cults the crime and the paranormal of the ocala okay we're, um, we're gonna
0: we're gonna hold this the the, the this ocala because i'm going to ask you something real quick but okay. i'm going to ask you if you heard this as far as schaefer okay then one of his ramblings because of course you know whether he really had these connections or not or he was just using them for whatever one of the times you, you remember i don't know if you're aware that his dad, that he had a connection with child porn via his dad that was on the outside and he got busted. And I mean, the cops were trying to use him as an informant, but at the same time, he's running his own like uh, child porn and prosing as a woman, you know, sending letters out. One of those deals. And one of these things, one of the detectives says how he says that he's aware of child trafficking, okay? And these people that would take... They, and I'm thinking to myself, this is this that what they do is that when they wanted to, they would take these kids. When I say kids, I'm not sure how old they are, but they're alluded to as children.
2: Yeah.
0: They put them in a boat. And whoever wants to go and do whatever they want, but they take them out. What is it? 12 miles off. Once you're in international waters,
2: yeah,
0: you're out there. Now what happens is when they're out, he, he's saying this because I I don't know if they were listening to his conversations or whatever. What they do is they chuck these kids overboard. Okay. No witness, no victim, no crime. And I'm thinking to myself, this, I hate to say this, this sounds very cold blooded, but let's face it. If you're abusing children or child trafficking, this is not that far-fetched.
2: Yeah.
1: Except, and, and you had me up until the chucking part because uh, the Ocala has a deep history of uh, child and adult um, human trafficking right and you wouldn't chuck because that's chucking that's literally throwing money off the boat well um, in this
0: case they, they it, and he says it like that but i'm thinking this is not but it's not you know if you think though that you might have a how can i tell you if you have a client that says i don't want any loose ends okay sorry if i'm paying for this party i don't want anything you know any anything
1: I, it's not implausible let me tell you
2: Anyway, yeah, I mean,
1: I'm with you, and, and, and except he, for and, it's not, it's I'm with you except for the fact that I don't think it's financially beneficial to, to do it. You know, like in other words, that person who's making that request is in so deep with the society that um, they 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 understand that 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 that, that that's money lost. Well, you in the, and mean, the way
2: yeah. I looked
0: at it when I heard that, I wouldn't say this is your average child molester on the corner. You know, Chester the Chameluster. Right. I'm looking at it as somebody. If somebody can pay to take out some type of yacht or something out into international waters, we're talking somebody who's got deep pockets. You see what I'm
1: saying? Yeah, and uh, and, and I would I would also agree that um, that you know I think that that paying extra to to kill those children is not out of the realm as well. It's it's it, this these are this um, is somebody that's like, that, like not being part of the thrill. You know, it's it's so weird when, when you know we we hear echoes of this type of thing and it makes sense to us. And then like I said a little bit ago, when you start to just absorb the number of times that the Ocala uh, is mentioned in terms of disappearances in terms of he was last seen, it's funny, like I listen to uh, almost as much probably more true crime podcast than I listen to spooky podcasts and uh, I, if it's, if it mentions Florida, I'm like, I, it's just really. Let me ask you something. What, what, what can, you, you, can tell you tell me about the rainbow, rainbow family? So yeah. So the rainbow people, uh, you know, they start in the early seventies here. Yes. Um, and they are, and I want to start off by saying that uh, a true rainbow person um, is amazing. And so for people who don't know, they are people who across the country and around the world get together in a national forest and they have essentially what amounts to a week where it's very much like burning man. Like they come with limited resources. They share the resources. There's music playing. Of course, there's a lot of psychedelic drugs and things like that that are going on, but it's this communal living, getting away uh, from all of the trappings of, of the modern world, getting in touch with nature. Historically, even the Ocala rainbow people have had uh, very little run-ins with the law. As a matter of fact, in most places, not so much in Florida, but in most places, the Rangers are almost always every year waiting for something to happen and waiting to bust them on something, Um, but it doesn't happen. Now, in Florida, they don't go away. Um, And so there is a, a faction of rainbow people who are up to what might be considered sketchier things. They're not true rainbow people. They just wear the clothes and walk in the circles. Um, Then there are other occult and cult members who attach themselves to the rainbow people. Sure. Or identify themselves as rainbow people, but aren't. Those are the people that are causing the problems in the forest. Those are the ones who are running the drugs. Those are the ones who are running the people. Um, You know, there are several cases of, and I would have my notes with me to tell you, like I've got case after case after case, these names. When I said I was writing a ghost book about the Ocala, I had, you know, dozens of people who contacted me who wanted me to look into the missing person cases of, of different people. Right. That are not rainbow people, but they look like them. They act like them. They've infiltrated them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are identified as rainbow people and even outsiders were being like rainbow people. Well, because they this. don't know
0: if they don't know any better. Right, because respects. They don't know like
1: what, you know, if you, I'm a teacher, right? If I go in and, and, a, and a troublemaker is with a whole bunch of good kids and the troublemaker is causing trouble, I assume everyone's causing trouble, right? Right. And so there's an association that happens there that's unfair at times. But that said, you still don't go to, like, the towns. You know, still don't go to, like, Astor or DeLand or, like, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, Paisley and buy oh. deodorant from the CVS without checking it to make sure rainbow people haven't used it first. So <laughs>
0: – Well, did you hear about the one that got sh- – I want to say it's been two years now. He got killed. Um supposedly they're out in Alcalá and some guys drive up in a pickup truck shoot him and leave yeah and
2: it's,
1: it's, it's um so you know it's a it's an uneasy balance because well so many- you know what there's,
0: there's- more to this the, this guy is with a group of people and this is what i've heard i haven't followed up on the story yeah supposedly these two or three pickup trucks i don't know a bunch of guys come and they kill this guy in front of everybody they leave and nobody knows anything <laughs> the police yeah have interviewed all the people there, and nobody knows, can't remember. You know, one of those like. I'm thinking, wait a minute, this guy wasn't done away with by himself, where there's yeah. no witnesses. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that it was one of those like. Let me just shut up. Yeah, and Let I think it's,
1: it sounds to me, and I don't know the details of the case that you're talking about, so I'd love for you to send me the information. Sure. To me, it sounds like one of those situations where uh, the the towny people. We're associating the rainbow person with a crime against someone that they knew. Um, and it, it sounds probably, just by your basic description, like the, the young kid who disappeared a few years ago um, without his dog. And um, that's what happens, right? You associate a crime that happened to you with this rainbow person. So whether that rainbow person is the one that did it or not, that's who you vent your anger to. Okay. Or honor, me- I can say. Well, I'll tell you what, this is, this was right. This was
0: back in, uh, I'll tell you real quick, February of 2021. I knew that it was. Yeah, yeah, that's um,
1: actually fairly
0: recent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was fa- fairly recent. And that's why when I looked at that, as a matter of fact, it was around this time that I realized I had really, I had no idea what the rainbow people were.
2: Yeah.
0: And um, he, uh, there was a shooting. And as a, I'm looking at this now, I still think it's still like uh, unsolved. There's no one's ever been arrested
1: for be it. And, yeah, um, and that's kind of stuff that happens because, you know, they're associated unfairly. I think for most of them, they're associated with this sinister element that is lurking within them um, that, you know, I mean, if, if we, if you were going to, you had a certain mindset cult or a cult mindset Right, and you want to recruit? You know someone who is a rainbow person who's going to these festivals is highly suggestible. Odds are they're on some kind of drug. They are as easy a, a victim to influence to a new way of thinking to right. get them into your cult as possible. So there's there's just a lot of moving parts with the rainbow people and what they could be, and the the most interesting part of it. Because so now keep in mind, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, an investigative journalist. I'm not mm-hmm. like, I'm a folklorist. What right. it does is it adds to this mindset of people who live in the Ocala. And then like, I call it in the shadow of the Ocala, all those towns that are right outside of it. Exactly. Around the perimeter. Yes. They have the, the what I call like the Ocala disorder where, um, one woman tells me a story and by woman, I mean, she was like 20 at the time I talked to her. Okay. And there's like, it's the, it's the introduction of my book because I think it sets the tone. Okay. He tells me all these crazy stories and they all happen on one night, maybe. And all of them are connected to the Ocala and maybe it's rainbow people and maybe it's ghosts and maybe it's witches who are in the woods. And, and it's one of those things where because so much does happen, they right. believe anything can happen like we were talking about earlier. And sure. so uh, the rainbow people become a target for that. Because they're A, the most easily recognizable ones, but yes. also they're the ones that people seem to have um, used in one way or another to get a lot of weird stuff going in that forest. Right.
0: And and then again, sometimes you think, is it, because it, it might not have anything to do with it. Maybe he crossed the wrong person. It, it, Right.
1: You don't know. Sometimes, you you know,
0: you might try looking at some weird uh, angle and sometimes it's just a question of you crossing. the looked at part. He
1: looked at the girlfriend the wrong way. There something. you go. You know, exactly. You don't know, but because it involves all those elements, our minds sure. go because we who look at the Ocala, as well as those who live in the Ocala, are still victims of that syndrome. Oh, yeah. I, I've traveled
0: through the Ocala all the time. I'm very, I... very close to it. So, and you hear all these things and and, uh, I mean, when, especially when you talk to the people around here that have been here for a really long time, you know, because usually Ocala National Forest was known for hunting, for hunters. This is where yeah. you would go to hunt, You, were, especially if you're going for the wild pigs and the deers and things like that. I mean, I had family back in the 70s who lived in Tampa, which is where they would come to hunt, would be in Ocala National Forest. This was yeah. the place to come to. Um, and uh, <clears throat> there's there's uh, not so much maybe now. But there was a lot of um, – how can, what's the word? If you want to – not folklore, but it was like people took care of business and sometimes they didn't call the law. How's that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was – you know, if Florida – Florida is the Wild West, right? Yeah. Um, Post-Wild West because yeah. everyone who got uh, into trouble in the West came to Florida to escape, right? Yes. Like, so it, yes. there are there – are, there's a lot of frontier justice. You know, mm-hmm. we think – even even when we talk about like the Seminole Wars – and, um, and, the, and and the and the Seminole tribe themselves and, and things that like, we we think we're talking, you know, like Squanto and the Wampanoags from the from the yeah. 1600s. And we're not. We're talking like 150 years ago, 100, you know, yeah. 60 years ago. This is um, Florida was the place that no one really wanted. Right. Like, it was right, no no, you know, you had a lot of people coming in like post-Civil War.
0: Right. And, and, um, so,
1: and so because it, like
0: you said, like cheap land, like go out there. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, leading into the Seminole Wars, uh, they had a, a Homestead Act where the president basically was like, if you promise to uh, work the land and to put people on it and help us out, if, if, the, if the, the Seminoles get too crazy, you can have 500 acres near Tampa for free. Just take it. Just make sure you're like, we just want somebody to settle it. Exactly. As long as you settle it and, and work it and, you know, like promise that if something happens, you got our back. You know, this is uh, a, this is the territory of, of sketchy people, right? Well, this is the, Um, as, as, as as far back,
0: not that turn of the century, I'm talking here from the, you know, like 1900 off the West coast of Florida, on the Everglades, on the Southern portion, there's 10,000 Island. There's an area called Chokoloski and, you know they people had like sugar yeah, yeah. plantations and all this and what you would have is you would have outlaws go out there because it was so mosquito infested that the law usually didn't want to follow yeah. you there
1: that's about that's about two, uh, like 2 miles from where i am right now by the way really um, okay yeah. there you go <laughs> so you know one of the one of my favorite uh, stories that i always bring in is about a cop in Punta Gorda Florida who's killed and okay. um and he's uh Uh, For all intents and purposes, no one in the world other than the jury thinks that this guy did it. A guy by the name of Isaiah Cooper. And his – it's a really long story, but his sentence is eventually communed. And so he is uh, now uh, serving life in prison but not being hung. And so he's sent off to this work camp, this famously, notoriously vicious work camp in DeLand, right, in DeLand, Florida. So on the edge of the Ocala, right? And um, he's working the land, and he looks up at the guy who's on the horse with the gun watching him, laughs, and runs into the swamp. And <laughs> now, whether you, whether you think it was an inside job, which maybe it was, or just, or just this is the story, the cop said, the, the guard said, I was going to chase him into the woods, uh, but I didn't want to ruin my new shoes.
0: Yeah, man, and those issue so
1: things. You know what you they have, used to have around here, the area
0: that they would use convict labor for, turpentine. Yeah,
2: they turpentine. would farm
0: turpentine, and they said
1: it was brutal work. So what what would happen is, especially in in the area, uh, one of the other projects and this is hand to hand hand in hand with the Lake Panasofsky one, because the town that Lake Panasofsky is in, uh huh. Most people would say it's Bushnell, right? Right. Yeah, it's actually a town called Pemberton Ferry. Okay. And Pemberton Ferry is a town that even people who lived in Pemberton Ferry when it went under don't remember for some reason the town of Pemberton Ferry.
2: Like That's it's literally
1: if you know Brooksville. Yes, um, I do. It is the sister city of Brooksville and it was the more successful of the towns. Okay. Um, as and this is the by the way I'm, I, you know this is you know this is a, a spooky thing in terms of the other stuff I'm covering with it, but it's really the story of these towns in Florida. It started to rise up, and then one thing or another, one town gets more popular, the other town goes down. And so it's Pemberton Ferry, which was much more successful originally than Brooksville, once it starts to fail, enter the New Deal, and Mm -hmm. the government was just confiscating miles and miles of land. And so the federal government took over much of Sumner County okay. and mined it for mined it for, for turpentine and then left and completely wiped out the history of a lot of the things that were on that land. And that happens when I talk, oh, you know central, when I talk central Florida, I always talk Central Florida, not Central Florida, not Orlando, but right. the things so that they're are they're, not from north to open.
0: south. <laughs> right well no the right thing here. is people out here there's been the phosphate mining right. and i mean there's a there's you know there, there came a point where um you know and of course like the citrus industry also but believe it or not back in 1885 you know they had a they had a freeze i've seen a pictures freeze. of yeah. icicles handing and as far as when you were saying about people coming down here what they were farming was a lot of times was citrus not all the time but it was citrus you know, remember once yeah. upon a time, Florida was a big citrus state until the orange, the canker took yeah, over. Lot,
1: and that freeze, that freeze, and another one that happened about 20 years later yes, it really yes. put the kabosh on it. And it yes, was, it
0: did. It did. It
1: was, it, uh, it, a lot of people don't realize, which is why now uh, Arcadia South is really where the the citrus is, and it's no longer in Tangerine and Citrus County, but these places yes. that historically mm-hmm. people got wise, and uh, and that was replaced, like you were saying, with turpentine with phosphorus, which was like, like finding gold. And then uh, oddly enough, celery and artichokes.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Celery Avenue. There's, there's uh yes, there's, there's, it's, it's yeah, like there, an unusual thing. Most people don't know that I about it, I as could, far as uh,
1: I think I could actually almost write a book called uh, celery hauntings because I have enough story ghost stories that revolve around celery. Yes. Uh, that, uh, that could almost constitute their own book because People don't read what is it is it
0: Sanford is it isn't it out of Sanford, Sanford, Sanford that they have the celery Road. celery, yeah. Yeah, celery Road the,
1: the, the Phantom uh, the Phantom white horse on celery the Phantom Road. white horse that was that was buried
0: there yeah. but uh, but you know what it, it's really funny because like when you were talking about roads like I grew up in South Florida I mean I was all over in Florida but I grew up yeah. you know you you were talking about in Massachusetts well in Ocala but in Massachusetts well that Fall River area where these areas are used as dumping grounds South Florida, you know, there's that US 41 that connects between the east and the west coast of okay, Miami. Yeah, Miami Trail. Let me tell you something. That was infamous for many, many, many years. This is before the cocaine wars in Miami. I'm talking way before, for as a dumping yeah. ground.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, if the if the insects, the crocodile, or I mean the alligators or the insects didn't get it, don't worry about it, because if they ever found anything, there was no way you would have remnants of remains.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was just talking to my students today uh, because they were talking about there's a road right where we are uh, which mm-hmm. goes parallel with 41 called Burnt Store. Yes, um, it actually intersects it at some point with with 41. Yes, and um, and I was talking to my kids about Burnt Store Road, and they and they were saying some, you know something I was like oh you like you know that that was we used to call that a serial killer row, and I'm like well why was that I'm like because serial killers were known to dump bodies yes. onto the side of the road of Burnt Store Road because the hogs would just eat everything. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was notorious. And I had a brother who worked, a brother-in-law who worked for Progressive who would say that that stretch of road, uh, Burnt Store Road, had more accidents on the weekend due to hitting cogs and hitting animals than any road in the state. Um, yeah. You know, it's no coincidence as I'm finding these these ghostly legends and as I start to do this work, I start to uncover all these towns, these small towns with their own yes. ghost stories. Oh yeah. It's it's no it's no um, coincidence that I can when I drive down 41, mm-hmm. 41 to me is up, oh, there's this ghostly legend, and there's that ghostly legend, and there's that yes. ghostly legend. When I go down 17, right, it's the same thing, like up, oh, yep. There's, you know, there's the Richardson children and up, we're coming up on bloody bucket, you know, and like, yes, but but these two roads, which are off of the main road, uh, run, they snake through these small towns or the heartbeats of these small towns 17 more small town because you know, do you call Sarasota and Venice and and these places, you know, that
0: US 27 is was called, even by the troopers at the time bloody 27.
2: I didn't know that.
0: No. Yes. And let me, because back then, remember the the Turnpike and all these highways, this is more modern times. Usually these roads that were basically sometimes going through desolate areas, whether it was the Everglades or just in the middle of nowhere, they were the two lane highways. That's how tourists got around. And usually, you know, you had 41 to take you from the East coast, out West to where Naples and all that area was. Uh, But, yeah, uh, US twenty seven was known as Bloody twenty seven. What does is, what is
1: twenty seven run through?
0: US twenty seven. It it will take you straight into Miami, but uh-huh. if you take it, it meanders through Central Florida. It'll take you around uh, Okeechobee Lake,
2: okay, and those
0: little towns that are around Okeechobee Lake, um, and then it comes out and it'll keep on like it, US twenty seven.
1: Follows to the same trail as seventeen.
0: Well. Seventeen is a little bit more on the I'm west gonna, coast. I was going to
1: say, but more towards the east. Yeah, so like it goes Clueston, more Haven, places like that.
0: It, yeah, it goes through Cloustin and then it turns. It starts coming up north. Okay, and it takes you like through mockley Glade. It keeps going. Uh, you know, all these little towns, like you said, some of them are barely clung on. Some are gone. Yeah, yeah. forget yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, and it um, That's, and then some of them, you know, uh, actually took off. You know, as far as. But um,
1: that's where you come across towns like uh, Lareda, uh, which is yes. literally just Florida with the L- with the F chopped off. Um, yeah, the, the- which, which is a ghost town, right? You come across uh, like Anderson, all of these places. Which you know, I do a story um, about a um, about a uh, a coyote woman, right? Okay, and it's, it's this ghostly legend that's told in this one section of the Ocala. All and right. actually, I can bring up the picture if you want. Yes. Send it over to me. <laughs> um, boop, boop, boop. Let's see. Is she in here? There she is. Um, and so it's told it takes place in the town of um, Wild Wildwood. Um, Wildwood? Wildwood, yes. Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where the Trump ends. Except for the fact there is no Wildwood, Florida. Uh, in Lake County, there isn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because no one can quite get the town the best I can identify is that it happens in Paisley okay um, on the on the way to Lake door from Paisley to lake door but that area itself and I could do if you want me I could tell you the legend I could tell you the one, the coyote woman yes of course um so the story goes that she is uh she falls in love she's 14 13 14 years old she falls in love with this older man okay and her parents complete Rosewood Florida is what I'm saying not wildwood Rosewood Okay. would definitely exists. Trust me. Okay. Uh, this is Rosewood, Florida. Uh, she falls in love with this older teenager who's 17, 18 years old and her parents flip out because he's black. Right. Okay. And so they absolutely refuse, especially the father to, ha- to allow them to be with each other. And okay. um, she sneaks out of her house. And he sneaks out of his house. And they meet in this cemetery in Rosewood. And, you know, they kiss and I'm sure that's all they do is kiss and hold hands because that's all teenagers ever do. Um, Her father finds out and he threatens to send her away. The mom convinces her to not, but he's so there's so much anger in him that he's walking through town and he sees the kid and he starts to beat him to death. Oh, my God. And no one in the town is helping. Right. No one is like. Interfering in uh, this, right? The, the 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 white people in the area are forming a circle, cheering it on. The African Americans in the area are like two. Uh, years he brought it on himself. The <laughs> yeah, right. they're like, and so he drags him off into the woods, and um uh, he's never seen again. Some people say he leaves the state, or he goes down to Miami. Uh-huh. Other people say that he's dead, he's killed, and and like just left in the woods. Right. She's she's walking through town a little time later. She sees the blood. And she's asking people, "What's going on with this? Like, what?" And no one will answer her. And she finally gets out that he is beaten um, to maybe to death. This man that she loves, uh, and she's like, "Well, why didn't anybody help him?" And she's like, "You know." And they're all kind of like half laughing, half you know embarrassed. And so she uh, runs into, runs back home, gets her father's gun, and when her father comes home, she you know says the name of the man she loves, and she shoots him three times. Oh boy. And she's completely now freaked out. She's killed her father. She knows that something bad is going to happen. She knows her mom is going to come home and and she can't stand to see her mom. So she runs to the only place that is safe for her, which is this cemetery. Okay. And she lies down on the grave and she's bawling her eyes out. And as she starts to cry, a pack of coyotes start to circle the cemetery. Okay. And, uh, And she's crying louder and louder and they're circling faster. Now they're howling. And now she's screaming with grief and the scream is mixing with these howls to make this weird kind of sound. And finally it's too much. And she puts the gun to her head and she kills herself. Wow. Except for the fact that she transforms uh, almost like a Wendigo. She transforms into this half woman, half coyote um, and jumps into the pack and disappears. And it's said that she still stalks that woods Looking for men who do bad things. That's the the, the way that it's phrased in the story, um, and that's to account for a lot of the disappearances that are in that area. Okay. And one of the one of the things to do in that in that area is they go to the cemetery. They lie on the graves. They cross their arms like this. Okay. Uh, as they're lying on these graves, and they wait for the to hear the coyotes. And the last person to leave the cemetery, to not freak out by doing this and leave the cemetery, is the winner, right? He's the big man. <laughs> yes. And and so you think it's, it's a story, it's a folklore, it's a cautionary tale. You know, the name Rosewood probably comes from Rosewood, Florida, which is on the West Coast. Right. Which is the site of the famous Rosewood Massacre, where they burnt an African-American town to the ground. Um, after right. this shootout and everything. So there's a racial thing there that might right. have transferred over into this story. Right. But this kid says, him and his friends used to do it, and every time they did it, they would hear the coyotes. There would be nothing, and then all of a sudden... As soon as and they and they what's out there? Is dreams, it
0: like a family
1: cemetery, or is it an actual... See, that's I mean, see, that's the, what kind of got me talking about it, because the, they say Rosewood, but some say it's Paisley, yet it okay. used to be called Shockley, Florida... Um, okay. And Shockley is actually the name. If you can see kind of slightly the, the smaller picture down here, Shockley mm-hmm. is the name of that cemetery because the Shockley family, which it's a family cemetery, okay, uh, is uh, uh, they used to run the town. So before it was right. Paisley, before it was anything else, it was kind of known as Shockley Settlement. So right, it, right, you know, yeah, that's that's what you got for establishing a settlement. Exactly, that's, and that's things got know, named so. after your family. Exactly. So you you know you have places like you know, um, Deltona uh, was called Salsville. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. you have all of these places, especially in Central Florida, that were named after the person with the most money or the biggest plantation, the biggest settlement. Yes. And until it became something else. So when you're tracking these legends, they hit on different towns. You know. Right. That's
0: why you have all these somethingville. You know, town. Exactly. You know, that and some and variation. You-
1: and you're looking, you're looking for, you know, you're looking for a uh, a town name that no one has called it that for a hundred oh, years, yeah. and it's gone through, uh, you know, several different things. Like uh, one of my favorites is, is a ghost story out of the panhandle in a place that's called uh, the name of the town used to be called Coon Hill, but now it's like called Chickamauga, but now uh-huh. it's not really called that; it's called something else. And so you're trying to track this legend that you hear about this place, and you're like. You know, it's 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 uh, three towns away from what it used to be called when the story starts. Right, because that's that, that that was the thing. Also, some of these names were
0: official, but not really. Like everybody knew knew what the name of the town was.
1: Yeah, so you know, even a place like um, like uh, like I was saying, well, Lareda, uh, which is spelled Florida. It's like I, so I always say it's called Lorda, Florida, Florida. Uh uh-huh. um, It was originally Istapoca, but then. The other town on the other side of the of Lake Istopoca, they wanted to call themselves Istopoca. Yes. So then it was called Cooper, and then it was called Sunnyville, and then it was called until they finally settled on Lareda. But who gives a crap because 20 years later, the town went under. You know, like. Right. And, 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 and then sometimes uh, when they got a post office, it was a big deal because that meant right, you were right. like. And, and, the, and the, the power that that post office had to name that area was absolute. Yes, Uh, exactly. So uh, Lareda, Florida was named by the postmistress, you know. And what this does is it creates not only an atmosphere for folklore because, you know, people say that uh, Lareda, Florida went under because of a witch's curse, right? Really? That there's a witch and, and there's an amazing story having to do with that. But the fact of the matter is it was a small little town. World War II happened. Half the people who lived in the town went to go fight in World War II. And like 90% of those people, once they got a taste of what life was like outside of Florida, they ain't right. never coming back. Like some of them died in the war and the other ones went, why would I go back to this small little town in Florida now that I have a taste of what the world is? Sure. And so the town started to fail. And as it got worse and worse, they put more and more emphasis on this witch who had died in the town. And so boom. They what did say? No, they. She cursed them. Yeah, you know, well, exactly. They, yeah. So what what happened was is that um, one of the men in the town approached her and, and wanted a love potion. Okay. And so uh, she agreed to make him this love love potion. They met at this the bridge over Arbuckle Creek, um, and she upped the ante. This is the story. She upped okay. the ante, and instead she wanted his firstborn child for this love potion. Oh boy. And he completely flipped out, and he ended up throwing her off the bridge where she gets impaled on a tree that's that's in the, the swampy water, right? Okay. Um, he pulls her out. He weighs her body down, uh, and he he takes off. He's he's supposedly never seen again. The townspeople find her because her body doesn't stay, um, you know. Right. They, the it, it, it floats up. It floats back up. And so – they take her out, and they had been using her for her remedies and all this stuff like that for years, right? But then, when it comes time to kind of honor her afterwards, they're like, "She can't come into our cemeteries. She can't." Yeah. So they kind of bury her uh, in town, but not in a cemetery. There's no. Yeah, big- let me tell you.
0: Back then, they were real particular who they allowed right. to be buried in a, in a so cemetery.
1: Now, people driving on that stretch of road, you know, an Arbuckle. Driving over this bridge over Arbuckle Creek Start seeing her ghost on the bridge Interesting And they're driving through her They're getting into car accidents Trying to swerve not to hit her As this is happening more and more people are leaving town And more businesses are going under And so they're like it's got to be because of the witch So they do the only thing That they consider honorable Which is they dig up her body And they bury her in a different town Right (laughs) we're still not going to bury so, her in the cemetery right 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 so it's great so th- but nope the sightings keep going on the sightings keep happening the yeah. sightings keep happening so they dig her 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 up again but this time they uh they burn her they cremate her and they scatter her ashes in a another county the hunt Delayed. is still happening the ghost is still, being the, still the, the the, it's she like uh, they eventually burn her uh, her her, her house down her, the shack that she used to live in. Right. But it's too late. The town goes under. <clears throat> the ghost is still there at the bridge. There's also maybe the ghost of the man who killed her and his son.
2: Oh my uh, God.
1: Still at that bridge. The story remains. The ghost remains, but the town is not there anymore. It's gone. It's gone. Yes. Yeah. I and mean, so you know, I love those stories. And the moral of the story is two things. One, if you're going to build a town, don't build it on Lake Istapoka, which means the the land where people die, the water where people die. That's what it okay. means in Seminole. So never build your town next to the lake where people die. Um, right. And two, and this works a lot better when my kids are here to do the punchline. But at number two, <laughs> um, never fall in love. <laughs> so, Thank you. That's like yeah, that'll work. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so but. If you remember the old Woody Woodpecker cartoons, if Woody had just gone to the police, none of this ever would have happened. Of course. If, if, of course. You know, if you had not wanted to fall in love, you could have saved the entire town, but unfortunately
0: Yeah, it's like
1: you Yeah, you know what,
0: it's really funny though, but you always hear those those love potions, things always go wrong somehow. They always
1: go wrong, right? You can't, you know, you can't you can't mess with fate. Uh, and you can't mess with love. You know, sure. even the genie in Aladdin says you can't make someone love you. Of,
0: right. Exactly. That's I think that's that's very I'm going to circle back all the way back to real quick. Yeah. Chris, to the, the original, which was that the, the Fall River murders. Yeah. OK, because you have an inside scoop on this that was missing. Like I said, it's so fresh in my mind because I saw it. Do you really think then. Because both of these people are, are in jail. No. OK,
1: it's important the- to note that Robin Murphy is not in jail for the murders, though.
0: Right. No. Well, she right. went and then she got out. What, what, what was it? Why was it that she was sent back in? She violated her parole somehow.
1: Yes. Violated her parole. So uh, you're you're she violated her parole less than 10 years ago because it happened after my book. She was still in jail okay. waiting to, for, to be paroled, was paroled when I moved down here to Florida And then she violated her parole somehow by committing another crime. And so she's back more for her parole violation than for for that actual crime. Right. And then there was other, I believe there were other uh, crimes that were attached to it. Right. And yeah, she was out for a while. She was, she didn't go right back in. She was out for a
0: while for a few years when she Yeah, i mean
1: not too long because, you know, like I haven't been down here in Florida that long, but she was probably out for maybe 5 or 6 years. Yeah, yeah, she didn't like go like you would think man, you would never
0: catch her doing anything to go back in, but do you think you know, because they make it look like because if if you look at the thing, basically she's telling saying that as she's growing up in this dysfunctional household and she's being molested, this is as a teenager before she becomes yeah. she tried telling but nobody cared. And that, thats basically why she became like so hard-hearted. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Do you think that she was really involved in either of those? The—the—the—the. The, the, the,
1: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She was responsible for all. In my opinion, she was responsible for all of the. Did uh, she recanted. Uh, Carl, she said it'sori. The she... Carl Drew murders should be called the the. Um, should be should be called the Robin Murphy murders. Yeah.
0: Right, and and it makes you think that. Because she recanted, she and but she tried to the way they presented it. How's this? Yeah. Whereas she basically threw everybody under the bus, but later on she recanted almost saying, like, oh, I was told by the police to by the prosecutor. I'm sorry, by the yeah. prosecutor to say this stuff,
1: you know. You know, all the information I have uh, from the people who work the case, the people who do mm-hmm. the people involved, um, Robin Murphy was. Um, was the mastermind. Right. Um, you know, uh, she was the one who was pulling the strings. She was right. a master manipulator. She had psychological and sexual control over men and women. Um, she was innocent enough to let her in. She had the cops um, post when the murders start. Well, she one of the women the cop- that, that, that that's murdered is supposedly her lover.
2: Hey.
0: <laughs> right. you know, well, like, you know, she's no I'm, with, no, I'm with you, but it's like that. You, know, that you would think she, nobody, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, it, 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 yeah, that, it was, uh, It's it was, also important to understand teacher, that, in other words. All of that,
1: all of that, area, it was very, it was very uh, free and loose. You know, the relationships, everybody knew everybody, right? Like, to, to think, um, to think that anyone could have done anything in that community, um, and. Not everybody, everyone would know about it. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they talk about, uh, uh, Kenny Pond, Kenny Pond, um, who, uh, is the, the lawyer that comes down to Florida in the in right. that story. A- everyone yes. knew everything what was going on with him. Everyone knew that he was making child pornography. Everyone knew that he was running drugs. Um, the, what's his name? Silvo, who is the cop, who's the, I'm sorry, not the cop, the DA, yes. right. Who's so tough. He backs down on a lot of this stuff. Because his wife, who is a newscaster, um, gets busted several times in sketchy situations, <laughs> in cocaine, oh cocaine deals. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's just it's 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 um, it's Shakespearean mixed with true ghetto lifestyle of like, right? With the outlaw, with these people who have nothing to lose. Everyone knows everyone's business. You know, right. that's why it, it didn't take forever for them to solve the Big Dan case because everyone knew who it was because everyone was in the bar that night. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are... Right, these well, guys- you know
0: what? It, it, it almost looks like everybody there had done something and it was like... Exactly. Like the guy that ended up in jail. What's his name? Uh, Drew or what was his name? The From that,
1: from, from, from Carl Drew, are you talking about? Or are you
0: talking yes. about the Big... Yeah, Carl Drew. Carl Drew. It's almost like, you know, like I said, he's illiterate or was illiterate you know but it's like you did enough things that it wasn't hard to persuade a jury to believe
1: you know and the, the, you the did sad it. thing is the sad thing is and we're talking about a man who is now um in his 60s right yeah I mean, yeah, about, yeah yeah he's yeah, yeah. he's an old guy now, now. It, it's funny how um how many people will say to you from that area that yeah well if it wasn't you know it's not like he did he was clean or anything it's not like he didn't and I'm like yeah except for the fact that your mom bought coke from him like you know what I'm saying like right. and you're saying it's okay that he didn't kill anybody but it still served forty years because he was a bad guy when he was twenty two busted heads over over prostitutes and drugs like you know what I'm right. saying like your family knew him your family you know what I'm saying like your your father that's used a, to that's that's, that's your the- father used to pick up one of the you know so it's this really weird mindset. You know, people when they think of Massachusetts, and they think of like South Boston and the movies they see about South Boston and stuff. Right. South Boston ain't like that anymore. But you know what it is? Like the Fall River, New Bedford area. Like right. everyone knows everyone. Everyone has something on everyone. And it's like, um, you know, it's like that perfect balance that if one brick falls, there's going to be a lot of things co- going that are going tumbling, and so no one, no one touches any of the bricks because everyone knows something. And everyone knows yeah that, that like I mean, you I mean, know like I mean, that that game jenga don't pull that out because you exactly. never know exactly yes. so you know and it's 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 you know it's um it's a delicate balance and then every once in a while and it's not even every once in a while right like the whole point even though it gets derailed of that documentary is this town of Fall River and i always include Fall River and New Bedford together right um, as part of kind of the, a very similar syndrome to the ocala they rise and they fall. They rise and they fall. Like you know, Fall River is is mentioned, uh, or New Bedford's. it's Fall River, New Bedford that are mentioned in Moby Dick, right? Like it's this great right. whaling town. So it's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, you know, uh, New Bedford which is the, the whaling city. I always. All, all of my friends are going to kill me for not remembering which one it is, um, but, and instead they they fall. They're supposed to rise. They're supposed to be great. These great ports. And then they right. fall Are there these great places of culture and then they fall and it cycles through these unexplained uh, sociological rises and falls and failures that the places around them don't. Well, you know? this is
0: the thing at the end of the thing, you know, like I said, they, at the beginning, it's very intriguing because they're putting that satanic cult thing. And then at the end they're kind of saying, well, you know what? There's so much, there's churches, especially the Catholic Catholicism, like There's a lot of religion here, which made it easy to believe of the satanic uh, angle. I'm thinking to myself, "Come on, stop blaming it on too many churches, you know, or people having religious beliefs."
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that in all of that, they don't really talk about the um, the voodoo uh, um, background of the Portuguese people and of the, um, of the Cape birdie Cape birdie. what what I was thinking uh-huh. of people that are in that area, um, that is, is deeply influenced in the understanding, you know, so a lot of the, a lot of the crime that was coming out of that, uh, I just briefly mentioned, there are multiple reports of zombie, like, uh, creatures and zombie, like people in the, in the fall river, really? uh, Freetown state forest. um, because once again you've got that voodoo so you've got people who believe that they can come back from the dead and be controlled and, and, and you know like oh, this is the thing people don't realize not, that that comes out of um, you know that comes out of this this idea so
0: this people don't realize that that sympathetic magic thing you know when you think of the voodoo doll yeah. and and that if you get somebody's hair or something that belongs to them and you stick it on the doll that's sympathetic magic and you stick pins in it or whatever you could have things happen that you see that in different, you know, we call it voodoo, but that sympathetic magic. You see it in a lot of the, um, how can I say you, the official religion might be Catholicism. Okay. Yeah. But sometimes there's a, like an underground or cultish type of belief in that sympathetic magic. Yeah. Where yeah. you could do something to somebody. With it's, that, you know, um,
1: I was, it's, I was explaining this to my students because we're in a folklore section now. Okay. It's like, Religions got you covered for the big things saving <laughs> your soul heaven hell like all this kind of stuff like right. that but if you but if you're but if your crops are crappy your fault you're turning to folk magic right you're turning yeah. to moral uh, superstitions and things like that and that's where a lot of these ghost stories and yes. a lot of these variations on uh, on major monotheistic religions come from is this idea that like god ain't gonna help with that rash that's on your ass so like you know what you gotta do for that? <laughs> you gotta rub two crow eggs together and you know what i'm saying like, okay do
2: you
1: notice know that like so the brilliant's got the big things covered but you know what chris let serious. me ask you something and maybe you can
0: come back and we are you familiar at all with the powwow the powwowing out in pennsylvania their witchcraft no,
2: yeah
0: no. oh my god see that's a whole nother thing that when i i was looking at that i was like huh you know, they have their own, it's, it's, it's a mixture of Christianity and yeah. spells and hexes and
1: um, um, well, you know, uh, Santeria and voodoo are as well. You know what I'm saying? You like, know, Santeria, and certain, sim- they're, um, hidden, they're hidden. Uh, they're hidden. And I always mispronounce, I've got like five or six black holes in my brain for certain things. Uh, one of them is I can never remember what you call a woman who delivers babies um, you know, like like uh, uh in like rural areas, like it's not a it's not a, like a midwife? A midwife. That's okay. a now ask me that five minutes from now I won't remember the word. Okay, I, I I have those those myself that all of a sudden and it's the word,
2: it, but it I escapes me. It,
1: and I know it's not the word, but I always want to call it Palo Alto, but it's not Palo Alto, but it's no the origins of both voodoo and santeria come from this, and I always mispronounce the word, um, but I know it's like that. Um that stuff is just that. That or those early. There's Palomayombe. Palomayombe is there you go. That is, uh, that is. Voodoo is just that with saints instead
0: right. of right. You saints. know, and, and and what happens is like in about in Brazil, it's called Candomblé. It's 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 each region, especially when you had the the African diaspora go, they yeah. kind of did that mix of Catholicism and whatever religion they had going on and they did, they did do it's similar but they have their own version because of course wherever you're at it right
1: you, you have know, in adapt- brazil you've got the you portuguese and you had to hide it right you had to hide it from the well we did, the, so. you
0: see that's why you see um a lot of the um the the catholic saints for example right. you will say in in santeria st is chango where even though it's a female a saint you know it's in in the it translates into the male god of, uh, well, he's a deity, he's not a god, I take that back, Uh, of uh, Orisha or whatever you want to call it, Santo of Thunder. Okay. In other words, they kind of like, because you know, if you were praying to the statue, you know, you were good. You didn't get in trouble. How's that?
1: Right, exactly. And so, you know, it was very easy for those. And then what happens is that, exactly
0: like what you were saying, you wanted a love potion. You wanted to hex that enemy. You wanted to do that. You couldn't go to your priest and go, by the way, I want that woman. Make me a potion.
1: Yeah, that's like what are you going to do? I think you I remember know? something. I was to, if you want, if you want her with your eyes, you're supposed to rip your eyes out. Oh, dude, I want to, you know, like get her uh,
0: out. Of like, right? Or hey, you know what? That guy did me wrong in business. I right. want to put a curse on his business or his so, land or his farm animals. The priest so, is going to look at you and go, "What?"
1: <laughs> Florida has a history, and I think the, the the stories influence each other. Florida has a history of towns failing um uh, because of turning to the witches so well, you have a place like pemberton ferry there's one particular area which is now known as hog island you have that same story which is you know different towns on the swanee river you have uh-huh. that same story uh in some of the uh um the old uh turpentine towns and railroad the... towns in DeSoto county and and you have it in, in, in Lareda, Florida. Um, because it's very easy when then things change to say, My God, why have you forsaken me? And say, right. Oh, we shouldn't have been we shouldn't have been allowing her into our community. Well, it's yes. the scapegoat, the scapegoat thing. Yeah. You need a scapegoat. So, so that scapegoat factor has been used time and time again for these boom towns all throughout Florida, once they yes. go under and and that adds to the haunted Um, history of the state because then along with that always goes a ghost story because she's always still in that area and she's always coming to get you.
0: Of course, because back then people, people don't realize that. And even now I'm going to take that back. You know, we always say in the good old days, people were superstitious and believed in stuff like that. Come on. Nowadays people, same thing. Yeah. You know,
1: you still get it. It's funny because we were doing that and all the kids were laughing. And so I took them all out into the hallway. I have an outdoor campus. OK, So we took him, I took him out of the outdoor campus and right in front of my I don't know if it was because of Ian or whatever, but there's a crack in the in the cement near my, my room, near the entrance to my room. Okay. Being, and I went, all right, then why don't you step on that crack on the way back into the room? And the kids wouldn't do it. Right. Uh, so uh, I was saying, like, just in case, were, that's, that's not real. And I do the same thing with them every year. Every year they go blah, 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 but they won't do it. I'm like, I'll give you extra credit right now. I'll give you an A in the class right now. Go to the bathroom and go say Bloody Mary into the mirror or do it tonight and film it and bring it in tomorrow. And they all joke and they all say, of course, I'll do it. And I have yet to have a video of any of my students in 10 years of doing that lesson that bring me back anything that's like that, right, or that, that do any of these things. They, they talk big. And yet in the back of their mind, that 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 rural ritual magic um, still is very impactful and still those superstitions stepping on a crack or conjuring Candyman even or, you know, uh, uh, um, flashing their lights a a certain way at a certain intersection still plays on their minds.
0: Well, I'm going to as a party shot, I'm going to give you this story this I heard recently. This priest is being interviewed. This was a few days ago, and okay. he was interviewed like maybe a couple of months ago. This is not like once upon a time. He is one of the major exorcists for the Catholic Church, sure. for out of the Vatican. We're not we're we're not talking. He's uh, the the for real thing as far as the Vatican approved. He starts talking about how he and he's talking about different cases he's had of exorcisms, right? So he describes how one priest who's also an exorcist brings him a woman uh for exorcism and you know one of the things i think that what the other priest was like can you find out if she's really possessed are we talking mental illness one of those deals like consult make a long story short the lady turns out that he did believe she had some type of possession but in contrary to what like like what he describes you know the the possession is not like what you see in the exorcist movie where people do weird stuff he describes how this lady put a curse on him and he gets a very bad case of gout. Okay. Okay. For anybody that it's a very painful. Um, how uh, it's a painful condition like when you get your big toe. For anybody that doesn't know what gout is, it can be really painful, and you have to be careful what you eat, and it's the way your uh, body processes. Oh my God, acidic? No, is it? I can't remember what type of.
1: Right. And usually it stems from uh, when you had chicken pox or the mumps or something. Or when something like that.
0: Whatever. He says it was super painful and he couldn't, he couldn't understand why he had gotten it. The lady goes off, never comes back. He's still not making this connection. He gets, he says, I, and usually I would know uh, what would trigger it, you know, as far as diet, if I'd eaten something. Finally, he says that it just dawns on him. That this happened right after he has this interview talk with this woman. Yeah. And what he says, he talks about how he basically did an exorcism over his foot. Okay. Yeah. Voila, it's done. The next few days, he talks to the original priest who had sent this lady to see him. And he, the the, the original priest on look, I'm sorry I hadn't called you back. But he goes, what? were you suffering from a a case of gout?" And the guy goes, the other priest goes, "'Yes, how did you know that?' Turns out, this is, I'm telling you, this is is a very credible source. This lady basically cursed both of them." Both of them. You know?
1: With with gout.
0: With gout, and they had to do what they, because there's different types of exorcisms and stuff like that. Uh, Basically, um, as a matter of fact, people don't realize that you even have to exercise when you're gonna do even the salt and water. Even before you bless, you, you have to exercise it. And he was, and, and we're talking here, you would think, uh, you know, somebody who's a priest, not only a priest, but uh is an exorcist, you would think would be impervious to this kind of thing. Okay. And he wasn't. So when we're talking here about how much is superstition versus how much there is behind some of the superstitious beliefs.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, point. it's it's a it's it's um, I always say. Uh, especially if there's no kids in the in the audience, when I'm doing my presentations, I'm like, if you don't think these are real, then why do you feel enlightened and and excited when Santa's coming to town and you know there ain't no Santa, right? Sorry right, for your exactly. audience who's still under that impression. Like these, <laughs> exactly. things are, these things are powerful things, and what happens is uh, we believe in. I think many curses. Of course, I'm a, I'm a par- I'm a paranormal guy, so part of it's real, right? Right, a lot of this though is power suggestion stuff like that, and what happens is the outlier case that you're talking to that you're talking about now, mm-hmm. which by the mere fact that it's sensational makes it an outlier, makes it abnormal, right? becomes the norm instead. Like we think of it as the norm, and it right. reinforces the idea that curses can have that kind of power. Yes, if that makes sense. So. Yes. What happened with these priests? I don't have the slightest idea. Right. But I do know that more people now are going to believe in God, Jesus, but more importantly, more people are going to believe in curses.
0: Well, but, and, and you can tell when he's retelling the story, and it was a very interesting interview among other things. He wasn't,
1: he wasn't connecting my gout
0: to like, I got cursed.
1: You know, yeah, I'm with you. Like a lot of times that happens. People say like, <laughs> you know what? Like, as soon as I, uh, uh, as soon as I took that cemetery dirt, is when this started to happen and you start to make the connection there. And of yeah. course, the weird thing is it's happening to two different people. Right. You know, what is the what is the point of origin of all of this? Um, you know, and once you get by like, are the people themselves credible, like you were saying, things like that. Yes. So you're left with this idea of like, well, that's a really weird, unexplained story that reinforces all of the ones that are beyond belief. Because I can believe in that one because it makes enough sense so I can believe in the ones that are more far fetched because things like this do happen. Look at the, the look at the 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 twin gouts case. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, exactly. And so ultimately, supernatural stories that are, go above and beyond help to reinforce the ones that make sense to us. So so many people can say, you know, I tell the story about uh, uh, you know uh, a, a woman who's an African American woman who's mm-hmm. killing babies, right, and. They, uh, and they, um, they let her go and she eventually like goes crazy. And I tell that story and people go, yeah, that makes sense to me. And I'm like, how does that make sense to you? It's a black woman in Florida killing kids and you don't think they kill her? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they right. say, well, maybe that, but the, sto- but the idea of the story makes sense to me, right? Like the, the whole thing of children pushing uh, pushing cars across uh railroad tracks. Right. The that that yeah story makes no sense whatsoever. it's 100 percent not true. And there's no cases of it. Yes. Uh, of that's of the accident ever occurring. And exactly. People say, yeah, but it's a beautiful story. And so it could happen. So well know, no, like- there's one in Florida's that that other one in San
0: Antonio outside of San Antonio where, you know, the same, it's like a <laughs>
1: No, it's not. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's often cited as the origin for all this folklore, except for the fact that it never yes. happened. Right, exactly. And it right. happens not that far back that it couldn't be researched. How's that? Exactly, exactly. There are only two examples of uh, fatal train wrecks that involve <sighs> children, specifically a busload of children. Sure. And oddly enough, those two documented cases there's one out west, and then there's one in somewhere near Buffalo, New York. Um, those are the two sites that don't have haunted children protecting people. And, 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 and
0: things like that, those occurrences would make the headlines. Usually I would be carried haunted. across the United States. It's all right.
1: But, but every and I've got people who uh, are hardcore paranormal investigators who consider themselves skeptics and load themselves up with equipment and use words like debunk and client. And yet. They say that story all the time as if it's real. And guess what? It took place in their hometown, so they know it's real. It's, it's the,
0: the, like I said, the point of origin, it do, could right? be something or somebody <laughs> total. The usual suspects sometimes are not the usual ones that you expect. Right. Uh, and that <laughs> only comes up. Chris, it has been absolutely great to talk to you. And I'm hoping you're going to come Ooh. back and we can keep talking anytime about all this great stuff. So.
1: As long as you don't keep me for two and a half hours, you can have me back anytime you like. Oh, let me see. Let me think about that. I'm not going okay, okay, okay. to say no. Maybe, we'll get, maybe next time we'll get around to my books. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. okay. Well, we've okay. Got plenty. What, I always say, what I always say is make it for an interesting conversation. If people find me interesting, they'll find my books. So there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. So for my podcast listeners, you what's, your, what's your website? Best place to go, uh, the website is trippingonlegends.com. But if you go to facebook.com backslash trippingonlegends – Okay. All the stuff ends up there. That's probably the best place to go to. You know, we're okay. we're no longer a website culture. We're a, we're a social media culture, and so uh, yes. Facebook dot backslash tripping on legends, and on Instagram it's spooky tripping. Okay. And, and course, your, you your your books are what, on Amazon also. Books You're are all on Amazon. Amazon. Um, if you go to any of those social media sites and you direct message me. I can get okay. you a discounted version of the book that's also signed okay. by me. Wow! Um, okay for uh, for for a pretty gosh darn good price, so you can find it that way as well. And then, of course, you can find the radio show Tripping on Legends wherever you get um, your podcast, except for Spotify because we do video and they don't like that. So, okay, okay, I know what you mean. Thank you
0: so much again. Chris it thank has been you. absolutely great and thank you for man those stories were to me were priceless there is yeah, as, as, a, as a native Floridian it's like my god this is and great I think it's great
1: that like most of this conversation is based on something that we started two minutes before the show because no
0: we're connected about about that yeah no and I can talk to him as, I'm telling you coincidences that, what is it there's no such thing as coincidences that I saw exactly, that exactly. that uh that documentary earlier today thank you so much take thank care Thank
1: you very much have a wonderful
0: night Likewise, bye-bye. All
1: right, bye-bye.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, uh, uh, that's why I didn't promise if I bring him back, I'm not going to keep him for another two hours. He's He's got a lot, bunch of books. The last one, which I believe he published in 2022, is that one for Ocala National Forest. And again, you know, we could put, um, yeah, that's a forest and everything. But the thing is, like, you know, Around uh, the the Ocala National Forest, you know, there's always the major cities in Florida. I'm going to use Florida as an example that everybody's aware of. Jacksonville, Pensacola, Miami, Tampa. But all along throughout Florida, there's all these little towns that some of them disappeared, like you said. You know, they they, they hung out. A lot of times if they were on the coast, most of them, if they were in the interior, they were tied into agriculture of some type, whatever the case might be you know, like I said, the citrus, uh, you know, and if things went well, then the little town, some of them, they're still around. I live in one of them. The town I live in has been around since the 1880s um, because they just hang on. They hang on. Uh, others, uh, some type of industry, they get lucky. Somebody puts in some type of industry and away it goes. And then others have faded. You know, and you, you know if you go through there, all you're going to find is maybe like a little sign and Maybe a cemetery but that's it they've gone the reason being that people don't realize back then long distance traveling was a problem even if you had a horse a horse and buggy so basically you had to operate out of your community and yeah maybe you could go somewhere on a special occasion but it's not like now that you say well I'm gonna hop and I'm gonna drive right on over there back then you these communities had to be self-sufficient that's why you had the post office Maybe you had one hotel, maybe, and you, you know, you know, there was like around here, I've got all these little towns. I swear, if you're going too fast down the road, shoo, you pass right through them. There's like one, one, if they're still there, you know, and I have a few around me, you know, one, uh, maybe, a, well, maybe one traffic light, two, if you're lucky. You may, you, you get a few churches, some that are still left. You could tell by the architecture. Again, these are smaller churches. Why? Because this wasn't like these, uh, you weren't gonna get that many people in there because the community was in and of itself small. Um, You know, like in my area, besides the agriculture is also a lot like, like I said, Ocala's known for the hunting and there's also the sports fishing. And I mean, there's also um, what they call micro industries that basically keep these, some of these, but along the way you get all these great stories about what happened uh you know from all these little towns and some of the things believe it or not uh he's absolutely right you know some things made the newspapers some things the only the only way you would ever find out about it is if it it was like uh, i don't want to say an oral tradition but basically it was one of those things that was talked about and maybe never printed depending on the nature of the whatever it was especially if it was not that good, you know, and then, of course, as everybody dies that you about that story, there goes the story, or you might run across it if you're doing really deep research into some type of archives, especially if it's a newspaper that's now defunct, you know you might run across something and then you take that thing and you run with it, and you see what you can find, like I said, it's really difficult when all the people that were around to witness it are dead, and even their children are dead, right. Like, in other words, it wasn't like, yeah, I remember my grandma, or my grandfather told me this and you're still alive. Sometimes this goes far, so far back that even that avenue of research is like, forget it. So you got to really do a like. But, yes, there's a lot of interesting stories. A lot of them, you know, they become urban legends. Absolutely. Like, a lot of people know a lot of these urban myths or urban legends. I would say a good 80% of the time there's, a, there's something in there woven that is true. And then of course it gets embellished and people bring in stuff from other things and just to make it interesting. And before you know it, and then somewhere, unless you know what you're looking for, you miss the part of the true part, Yeah, you know? Um, but I think it's fascinating. And also, like I said, when we, when we started talking right before we started recording that, I told him, "Oh, you know what you're he's just telling me he's originally from that area, from Boston, from the Northeast, before he moved to Florida, and I was like, Oh my God, earlier today, I saw this documentary they had on these these murders that occurred, uh, like in the eighties, up in uh, in this area, which is most people uh, think of of uh, of uh, what's her face, the one that gave the forty wax, Fall River. As far as the, the that's the notoriety. I didn't even know about it, and like I, and I think of it, you know. Now, if you ask me big crimes that were going on in South Florida I could tell you but it's like the kind of crime that when it's actually happening only the people in that area know about it uh so again in uh, fall river and then you you're hearing about the actual objective well I'm going to say the hook at the beginning was that some t- that somehow these were satanic uh Activities or satanic killings, but then when you go in there, you know, you and they at the beginning they interview some people who are saying absolutely that there was satanic activity or people doing satanic stuff. Um, and they allude to the fact that a couple of the women that were killed were basically sacrifices, but then when it goes further, you realize I'm not saying that there was no satanic stuff going on, especially after what he said about what was going on in that forest, God knows what else went on there, but. A couple of these women, which were, unfortunately, they were soft targets. They were prostitutes, the drug users, uh, everything around them. It was more like they were murdered more out of they said something to the wrong person or they were afraid that they were going to say something kind of deal. In other words, it was more of a i'm disposing of you not because i'm sacrificing you as a, a as a satanic sacrifice i'm getting rid of you because i'm afraid you might say something or you have said something or something along those lines uh it was very interesting especially to talk to somebody that's that's very very familiar with the uh, thing and i and one of the things i did um that i was surprised at the very beginning they do interview this gentleman That he was at one point law enforcement, but he is consulted on as far as, or he's worked with into investigations that have occult, uh, some type of occult whatever in it. And he absolutely said that what had been done to the bodies did have some type of satanic or occult connection, and then they. They didn't bring him back. You know, they interview him at the very beginning of the documentary. And then it becomes like a four part thing Then they don't bring him back. Like, tell, you know, what else have you seen? Or does this look familiar? Like this case, I, I, you know, this case, maybe these victims apparently don't have a connection, but I saw something similar in this other case that leads me to believe like, hello, help. Um, so i think i you know it was incredible that that's why i really love talking to because sometimes you get the the inside scoop and like he said basically that the documentary was slanted a certain way um as far as by the time you reach the end you're like huh and of course you know if you present things a certain way and you omit certain things and you put it this when you it's, it's like it's incredible not to come to that conclusion and you can see that that's what's driving it and uh knowing what i know and what i heard and what i observed yeah you could say well this this these uh murders happened because we're talking here uh people that were basically living in the underbelly of society, for lack of a better word, drug use, prostitution, criminal activity, you name it. Um, a lot of these girls were throwaways. And, and the guys, by the way, the, the guys also, you could tell when they do a background on their childhood, th- these kids were throwaways. There was nobody there to take care of them. Their family of origins were dysfunctional is a kind word. and um, But that, that there was something there you know that like he said was it that area that produces this type of behavior what comes first the chicken or the egg you know or for somebody that tracks these things when you see you know bad things happen everywhere but there's a disproportionate amount that happens in a certain area Mm. you know because people get killed and dumped you know, all the time, like I said, down in the Everglades, that US-41 is infamous for bodies being found years later. And there's tons of them. They haven't even ever identified the person, much less knowing who killed them. So, he, like he said, there's people that would get dumped out in this forest. And they they knew they were, like, from Boston or over there. Like, you're going to dump the body out in this forest, whatever. But I'm sure there's a lot of them that, that didn't have any occult symbology or occult connection or reference to them. Like I said, sometimes you would have these people, the execution stuff, they get shot, shot in the back of the head, shot, dump them by, you know, I got to bring them back. Yep. Yep. I got 20 questions going on. Anyway, guys, I hope you like this show. I really love speaking to Chris. Uh, I've got a lot of guests. Like I said, season 13 of Stories of the Supernatural are already in progress for 2023. Uh, I'm already getting that up and ready. I am book solid with guests, a lot of interesting guests coming on. Like I said, most of them new. I've got a few people coming from way back when. So don't forget to sign up for my Substack newsletter. Go to miamigoschronicles.com or mppellister.com. Also, all my blogs and everything. If you go to my author page, MP Pellister, Marlene Pardo Pellister on Amazon, you're going to find not only all my books, you're going to find all my blogs because I, I run them on my author page as well okay, or in Goodreads, uh,
2: wherever
0: you go, there I am. Thank you again for coming and spending this time with
2: me. I truly appreciate it. You are all wonderful. Take care.